this weekend at the box office, the Batman rained on what could be his last weekend on top. A new anime film hit big. X marked the spot, specifically the fourth spot. And we finish our bracket, drafting the remaining 32 spots of Multiplex Sadness. Plus, the Oscars are next week, so we're running down the best and worst films of 2021. We're going over everything that happened at a theater near you on this the 191st episode of What's in the Box Office. Hello everyone and welcome to What's in the Box Office, your weekly look at movies and the money they make. For each week we sit down and pour over the weekend's box office returns and tell you what we think they mean for the industry at large. I'm your host Brian. And I'm your host Noah and I got a question for you right yeah. off the bat. Uh, so every year we put, off, uh, we put off our best of and worst of list as long as we possibly can to get in as many movies, right? Yeah. Because uh, there's a lot of stuff to see. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Are there a... How many big uh, how many big movies do you wish you'd seen? I guess. Is there are there any big blind spots you think you have wow. just off the top of your head? What a question. Off my head, that one um what was it called? Set not 7 days, 5 days, 9 days. Oh yeah, 9 days in or 6 days. Yeah, one of those. It's just yeah, called yeah. the Oh nine yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I remember the trailer for that. Yeah, the one about the Seemed souls cool. kind of auditioning to go into a body, I think yeah. is what it is. That one I wish I had seen. Um, maybe the lost daughter, probably not. Uh, I don't know. Do you have any? I'm gonna. See I, I I've got is. a. Did you look this up? You're looking at your computer. I mean, I didn't look it up. I've just had a running oh, right. watch your, list your for a while. List. I there's a uh, a movie called Azor. Maybe Azor. I'm not sure. Azor uh, is boar. Uh, yes, yeah, so Azor is years boar. ago. I. Uh, it is a a. What is it? An Argentinian movie, I think, and sort of a, it's uh, sort of a conspiracy thriller. Oh, also uh, Mass. Mass is on my list. Yeah. Uh, that I've just I've heard I've heard tons of different great things okay. about Azor. I wish I had uh, wish I had seen it. I maybe I don't know. I don't I don't know how to uh, I don't know how to classify Petite Maman. Well, it's the same as Portrait Lay on Fire. It technically is coming out like actual release this year. Right. Uh, no, so I guess... I'm sorry. No, it did come out to qualify. Portrait Lay on Fire qualified for the year before, but actually came out post Oscars. Okay. So we saw it after the Oscars. So it didn't end up on my I'll, list. Yeah, I'll have to. I'll have to go back and check how I ranked Portrait of a Lady, but uh, because... I did not. Unfortunately, it would have been for sure in the top five that year. Yeah. Uh, well, did it just make the top five next year? No, because it came out in 2020 in theaters, but they released it wide in 2021 uh-huh. after I had closed my list because the Oscars had happened. Well, but it, I'm, but it had to have qualified for one of your lists. It did, but that list had closed. I see. All right. I, the, I the Oscars, the list is submitted. Any movie I watch from that I, year post the Oscars is not ranked. I, I understand. Yeah. Okay. I, yeah. Those, those I think are the, the big two. I've got, uh, I got a bunch of movies. You know, I wish I'd seen, uh, I wish I'd seen the card counter. Joe said Memory is great. Okay. Uh, Pig I'd probably really like. I heard good things I was about so Pig. so close Saint, to watching Pig. St. Maud. Past few days. I, but I, I, overall, I feel pretty good about it. You know, I didn't get to Annette. 
I I think that's probably fine. Yeah, I I I don't think a net would have worked for us. Uh yeah. So yeah, that was uh, that was my question. Okay. Uh, I guess it was said it was a it was a strange it was a strange beginning of the podcast just there. That was like its own was little a good se- it was just like its own little segment. Thank question. you. I uh, so let's, we got a lot of stuff. So let's get into the top five. Uh, in honor of uh, I I beg your pardon, fans. Uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero the movie. I mm-hmm. uh, I have ranked uh, my top five animes I watched as a child. I uh, because I never I never really fully made the turn to anime guy, but I did watch a lot of Toonami. You know, uh, I don't, not don't. not familiar with Toonami. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was like uh, when they showed Dragon Ball Z on Cartoon Network. Tsunami of tunes. Yeah, you kind of Toonami. I am. Okay. I gotcha. So yeah, I I did I did a lot of a uh, lot of entry level stuff. Also, Adult Swim. I had some uh, some stuff going on there. I so let's get right into it. My number five. I your favorite and mine. Little, little show called Zoids. You ever heard of Zoids? I'll look it up. I Z O I D S. Z O I D S. I basically it was like a uh, like a big uh, like a big Megazord there's Gundam a, there's a kind lot of show. of iterations of this well, Zoid of course Battle there are. Legends Zoid Wild Zoid Chaotic Century Zoid Genesis just look as for... as I recall the one I watched was just called Zoids look for the original uh, one. anyway it is your uh, you know your big your big mechs uh, they all uh, they all pilot big mechs that are kind of uh, varying variations of like lions and panthers and shit it's not really ringing a bell. I, uh, anyway, it was dope. These uh, these mechs, these Zoids, uh, they drove around were just super cool. Like the main character had like it was like a white tiger. Looks like a rat. I uh, oh, uh, there might have been rats. I uh, this guy. Let's see. I uh, yeah yeah that's the one. Looks like a rat. I. Uh, yeah, okay. I can see uh, I can see how you're doing there. Uh how about the bottom left picture there? I think that's more of a uh, more of like a tiger ass thing. Uh yeah. Still yeah, looks sure. like a rat. A little bit of an overbite, but that's right. more that's more correct. Yeah. All right. Uh Yeah, it was just and I never really got super into it. I call him a ligerzoid, so yeah. sure. Yeah. Tiger. Uh with an L. Yeah. It's just uh, it's just very cool. There were different different variations and evolutions of the robots. Is uh, Liger the Napoleon Dynamite joke? I mean, Liger is just a mythical creature. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think it was in Napoleon Dynamite, and we yeah. don't need to. We don't need to talk about that at all. No one ever needs to talk about <laughs> Napoleon Dynamite. I apologize for what a what a what a time where we all were. It's the funniest movie ever made. That's God, what everybody told me. I. Uh, but yeah, it's very cool stuff. That was the first time I really felt disconnected from the from the general consensus. Yeah, Napoleon Dynamite. 2014 was the one where I was so. I came out when I was at summer camp, so I had. Weeks of buildup, sure. and then I saw it, and I was like, "What the shit are you? All <laughs> What's talking wrong about? with everybody? What are you talking about?" <laughs> it's yeah. a great feeling. I uh, number four, Digimon. I've heard of that one. I uh, when this came out, I was very excited because as a very young boy, I thought, "Wow, Pokemon is going to sue these guys. <laughs> They've stolen Pokemon." <laughs> And that uh, made you excited. I was just like, it was just like, how do they get away with this? It's just coming on TV. Pokemon's already on TV. I. Uh, <laughs> it was wild to me. Did you let your head explode when Family Guy came out? <laughs> no, I think I was past it. Okay. I mean, like it's in, it's even in the name. 
it's not just yeah. Pokemon. It's Digimon. It's yeah. yeah I, it turned out Digimon was very cool. Mm-hmm. I, you know, not so much a uh, collect all of them kind of thing, but you are paired with your one partner Digimon that can then uh, digivolve, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they they go on uh, they go on adventures. And the first uh, <laughs> the first sort of season of the show is very cool. The Digimon movie I enjoyed quite a bit at the time. Uh, sort of spans uh, two generations. I uh, just a great uh, a great take on the uh, on the Pokemon theme. Uh, however, number three is in fact Pokemon. Number three, yes. I uh, Pokemon. I, I was all about. Yeah. See, po- Pokemon for me, like I was all about the games uh, and the sh- the show. Like I was deeply invested in the show, but as time has gone on. <laughs> Like I, you I don't wa- watch anymore. I, I, I want, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna let, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let my vulnerable beside show okay. to you and to our listeners. Okay. Uh, I once went to a Blockbuster with my parents when I was very young, mm-hmm. and tried to rent a Pokemon tape with episodes that I had not seen, uh, and they gave me the wrong tape. It had episodes that I had seen, and I cried. <laughs> sure, that's completely understandable. <laughs> it was incredibly disappointing. <laughs> and, like, they weren't great episodes. Yeah. It wasn't, like, Squirtle Squad shit. It was just, like, it's just ghosts, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the show at the time. I watched it for a uh, for many years. I, I'm actually thinking about... Uh, they recently announced the new starter Pokemon for Generation 9. Okay. I don't know if you saw this. Uh, you no, seen this I, Pokemon yeah, shit? No. <laughs> you heard about this? You know, what's funny is that you sounded like a late night monologue, and then you said shit. <laughs> well, yeah, really I'm, threw me. I'm a, I'm a, a modern day late night guy. Uh, I'm on sh- I'm on Showtime. Uh, yeah, I'm like I'm like the I am the James Corden to Jesus and Miro's whichever one he follows. I don't know who's what do you on mean, what channel. One he like I mean, like James Corden's like the late late show, right? So he's on yeah, after, he's, he's after Fallon Colbert. or after Colbert. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, like I, Jesus uh, and Miro are they what? They follow nobody. Yeah. They're so they are Colbert on Showtime. Okay. And I, I am their their you're, Corden. You're their Corden. Gotcha. Yeah. Or like <laughs> preferably their Seth Meyers. Okay. <laughs> I. Anyway, yeah, I, they recently announced the uh, the, ne- the new generation. Seth likely to go. Well, have you seen this? <laughs> have you shit? seen this shit? Yeah. yeah. I and I I realized I looked it up. I I've checked out on Pokemon since the third generation, and we're going into the ninth. And I'm thinking maybe it's time I pick it up again. I can't just to see just to see what idea. things. I actually think it might be better because. I, uh... I've I've been gone for six years. Maybe it's like so fresh and exciting again. That you're already doing and keeping track of. Why are you adding this? <laughs> it's, I mean, it's just a Pokemon game. It's for children. How hard could it be? Okay, well, <laughs> I'm not going to become like a competitive battler. It's the last we ever heard of Noah. <laughs> it is. It's a Pokemon game. How hard could it be? I uh, number two is Inuyasha. <laughs> <coughs> I don't know what that is. I uh, this is a a show that I watched on. Uh, I did watch this on Adult Swim, I mm. uh, at uh, at night before bed. It is the uh, the story of a uh, a young uh, Japanese schoolgirl school who falls in a well and is transported back to the feudal age, I uh, where she uh, falls in love with a half dog demon, half human boy named Inuyasha. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they gather together a uh, band of misfits, a uh, 
a warrior woman, a monk with a uh, suction void in his hand, uh, or like it's wrapped up in bandages and he'll just unwrap it and it'll just become like a, like an inverse tornado, just sucking things into his hand, mm-hmm. uh, slowly, uh, creeping and killing him. Of course. I, oh. uh, and they have to, uh, they have to seek out shards of a jewel or something. I forget the specifics, but you know, there's a, there's like a, will they, won't they at the heart of it. And he's mm-hmm. got, and he's got like a giant sword, uh, that's really cool. Uh, and I was, uh, I was very, I was very into it. And, uh, uh, this this would have been like early mid high school. Okay. Uh, the Inuyasha times. I never saw how it ended. Oh, no. I have always, uh, and I think, I think it's streaming somewhere now. And so I've occasionally thought like, maybe I'll just finish out like the bulk of the Inuyasha anime. Hasn't yeah, happened yet. A lot of plans. <laughs> well, this is, <laughs> I'm, like building I'm, up. I'm more likely to buy the new Pokemon game than I am to finish watching Inuyasha. Uh-huh. I guess, depending on how what much is the I game have on left. switch. That's a switch game. Yeah. I, but still I was, uh, I was very into it. And at like a later age, uh, like Pokemon was like as a child, uh, Inuyasha was I was I was getting a little more discerning. Yeah. Uh, so that gives it the edge for me. But number one, of course, uh, could uh, I'm cheating Can't a little imagine here. Imagine what it is. Uh, well, it's Dragon Ball. It's Dragon Ball Z. Oh sure. Uh, I've combined Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z into one thing here. They are two separate shows. Uh, Something and- you'll call Dragon Ball Z. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, just for the sake of a portmanteau, I. Uh, just just absolutely loved this show uh, and ev- everything about it. I thought it was incredibly cool. Uh, everyone involved was amazing. Uh, as a very young child, uh, I wanted nothing more than to be uh, Goku's son, Gohan, who, uh, of course, at the young age of 11, defeated Cell Whoa. and saved the world. At 11? 11. Wow. And I was about to be 11, and I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. He is the coolest. <laughs> I uh, that show that show just had a huge impact on me and uh, could never not be number one on my list. You ever watch any uh, of the Dragon Ball iterations at all? No, a lot of fun. Probably uh, probably 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 doesn't work to start now, unfortunately. No, I don't. But think it's uh, as a, as a, as a child, it might have <coughs> might have really worked for you. I uh, let's get into the real top five though. All let's right, move this along. Uh, number one, as you mentioned, the Batman does reign again. Made thirty six point eight million dollars. It's a forty four point seven percent drop. It has totaled three hundred million dollars to this point. Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, the movie, came in at number two. It opened with fourteen point eight million dollars. Uncharted came with number three. It was eight million dollars. Only a thirteen and a half percent drop. That's up to one hundred and twenty five point eight. X opened at number four with 4.4. Love that. Uh, new film from A24. I see. And Dog came in at number five with $4 million. 21.4% drop. That's up to $54 million. All right. Our feature presentation, we are starting with one of my favorite segments, the best. Now, generally, we have these on separate occasions, but we fucked up the scheduling. So... The best of and the worst of are happening on this episode. A little something we used to and still like to call Oh Pod That Sucked 8. The worst films of 2001 and Round of a Pods 8. The best films of 2001. Generally, we give our top, our bottom 10 
past few years, we've just kept it to five, as we will do this year. So these are our five. Wor- How many films do you currently have? I having have seen from 2021. Uh, a, a mildly disappointing 73. I don't even know if I. I might need to add one still, but not to this list, but just to the total count. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, I. You know, I I would I would like to hit like a baseline of at least 80. Uh, have hit a hundred uh, multiple times in the past, uh, and yeah, I think I think the the mi- the middle of my list is where I'm uh, where I'm most disappointed with this year. It's just not a not a lot of good movies I found. Really, I mean, this like this year or just just like overall, like there. I think there were uh, there were a number of great movies, uh, and a ton of movies that I was kind of bummed out by in one, one way or another. I have one movie I watched yesterday that I didn't rank yet, but it's not on the bottom. Uh, but star. yeah, I think there's a, is a pretty, a, a pretty disappointing number, at least on my list of like, Oh yeah, that was good. So you have how many? 73. Okay. I have with the one that I have yet to rank, um, 93. Okay. Films is here. So far, uh, our list, my list doesn't actually finalize until Oscar sure. night, so we could watch something that breaks into the top ten. Uh, I'm not closing out the top ten, but um, maybe not. Bottom five. What do you have for your fifth worst movie of the year? All right. Uh, so I am going with my fifth worst movie of the By year. The way, as- I, I still had my chronological up. I was like, all right, let's see. Let's get my blurbs together. Okay, we got Coda, Red Rocket. What the hell is this? <laughs> I was like, no, those are just some of the five most recent yeah. ones I've seen. Okay, go ahead. Uh, I'm going with The Tomorrow War for the fifth worst movie, which is, uh, I think, notable in the fact that the first two-thirds of The Tomorrow War, maybe the first half, I don't really know, it's not that bad. It's not good. So but it's like two, pa- so kept at two stars for me. It's like so passingly it's okay. Uh, I have this. Uh, oh, I have this. I have a one out of five stars for the Tomorrow War. Yeah, I have it a two out of four. It's uh, at sixty-eight on my list. Yeah, just uh, the closing of the Tomorrow War is so. We talked about this. Uh, talked about this last week in our uh, our worst scenes. So I won't. Uh, I won't belabor it here, but just dazzlingly bad the shift from kind of okay movie yeah to oh my god the stupidest movie i've ever seen it turns on a fucking dime and just ruins the entire thing and culminates in the worst scene of the year where chris pratt boxes the death alien and wins (laughs) and i i can't yeah yeah, I understand. I, I thought that the first two thirds had enough merit and originality, and just kind of, oh, this is a good idea, and this is executed pretty well to keep it uh, in the two star range for me. But um, certainly, the ending was very, very silly. My number five is Warner Brothers Mortal Kombat, That's... and um, it might be on your list. So maybe I'll no, go ahead. Okay. In fact, a. I... I'll just I'll I'll briefly mention you know I uh, there are there are a few movies like sequentially ranked on my letterboxd uh, 
that I'm not going to bring up, uh, and I one of them I'm skipping is Mortal Kombat, okay. just because I I do have it ranked below the Tomorrow War, but I just I did not feel that I had much to say about it. At it this could time. be a pretty faithful adaptation, you know, more so than the original film. But boy, is it filled with bland characterization, um, really cheap looking sets and production value. And horrible dialogue and storyline. It was just complete laziness. They were like, let's just get the costumes and the powers right. And let's give them battles. 1v1 like it is in the game. That's all we have to do. I was shocked by how cheap this movie looked. From its casting to uh, to its sets to its story to its dialogue. Just cheap, cheap, cheap. Um, like a little birdie, but yeah, Mortal Kombat was garbage. Yes, I uh, I did not like it at all either. I was number four worst film of twenty twenty one. My number four is going to be F nine. Whoa! I, which is number seventy four for me. All right, the so low I've, end of two stars. So I'm I am prog- I'm still progressing down your list. Did I give this two? Uh, low. If it if I did, it's the low end of two. It's just a. Just a very kind of very kind of sad thing, you know the uh, the Fast and Furious franchise we've de- we've devoted a lot of time to. I yeah. uh, very very interesting the way it revived itself at movie five and became a huge blockbuster like action franchise, uh, and even has its has its merits at the beginning. The Fast and the Furious uh, is still fun to watch. I uh, there are uh, Too Fast Too Furious has its charms. Yeah, I. Uh, Tokyo Drift is. I think Tokyo Drift has its charms. Yeah, to- Tokyo Drift I think is worse, like way worse than two. Okay. But it's still like. Is it worse than nine? No, it's not. I, <laughs> uh, it's it's still just kind of like a small like they they tried something and mm-hmm. it, it I don't think it worked at all but it's still there, and then f- four happened and kind of like reignited a spark without quite being good, five six and seven were varying degrees of really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then eight happened, and at least I was like, oh, no. Because, like, no no franchise can live forever. They all get bad eventually if you keep making them. And I eight did not have the same kind of magic uh, that they'd managed to recapture in five, six, and seven. Started to see a lot more cracks. Uh, and then nine came out, and I thought just everything about it was really awful. Uh, there's no no longer any fun to be had. I uh, had completely completely jumped the shark, even for the Fast franchise, uh, a franchise that has a moment in one of the good movies where The Rock rips off a minigun from a downed helicopter and starts like shooting down drones from the sky, as I recall. Yeah. Uh, and it's like seven. Yeah, and that that was dope. That was great. Uh, so even in that context, completely jumped the shark into mm-hmm. ridiculousness, leaned into the whole, like, what if we keep getting bigger and sillier in a way that just ruined it? And I like, I, I don't expect they can recover for 10. I'd like them to. And then I'd like them to stop. Yeah, I have a soft spot for the for the Fast and Furious movies. Ten, nine is the worst one they've made. Um, but there's still a, a small bit of joy to seeing that crew. And also, 
you know, that was like the kind of like, okay, big movies are back. Like, this is great to just see this on a big screen again. But um, very valid. My number four is the last movie we could possibly mention, uh, both of us mention on my list, and it's Red Notice. Okay. Is that your number three? Uh, no, I didn't see Red Notice. Okay. Wow. You... I have four <laughs> movies that you haven't seen. You summarized Red Notice for me that one time. Yeah, I skipped through some shit. Uh, but no, I, of course, did not watch that. <laughs> Not so much cheap, because it wasn't, but the laziest thing you'll ever see. The idea that just having these three movie stars do their thing, which The Rock doesn't have a thing that he does. Yeah. Gal Gadot certainly doesn't have a thing. So it's really just them just existing being in blank space. walls and Ryan Reynolds doing his thing, which can work occasionally when it's written well. Um just a complete mess a decent opening scene and then just leads to product placement to what they think is fan service and giving us the most boilerplate story the most out of left field dumb twist just to get the three of these characters working together again in the next movie um just a waste of everyone's time yeah it's really it's really interesting how you how you mentioned that these stars don't really like have a thing, uh, because even Ryan Reynolds' thing, who like he he obviously does, he's very fast talking and uh, and quippy and sarcastic. Uh, it really just kind of like removes him from seeming like a person. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, because he's just he's such a joke machine that that it's just like a. You know, I I say this loosely because I I don't need to like relate to the characters from Red Notice, but I need to have some sort of grounding of them as human beings. Yeah, I uh, and like Ryan Reynolds, I think uh, increasingly does not have that. Uh, of course, uh, The Rock does not because he's a sort of uh, shiny colossus, <laughs> a sexless uh, mold of a man. Yeah, to try to. You know, we we talked about this when you summarized it for me. Like, to try to imagine, like, ooh, The Rock and Gal Gadot have sexual chemistry. Like, mm-hmm. no, they do not. Because uh, Gal Gadot also does not have, like, a a superstar thing. No. She, imbo- she embodies Wonder Woman well enough, mm-hmm. uh, but that doesn't translate. Well, she's stunningly beautiful, but yes. she doesn't have No, but to just be, like, what if, she, what if she was a spy or, like, an art thief or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh, just like I don't, I don't believe she. Could, yeah. I don't believe she could be when I watch her act. This was such uh, a cash in. This was such a we can do this in our sleep. So let's. Yeah. That it was insulting to its audience. What's your number three? My number three is going to be one I believe I can't that. Believe I have four that you haven't seen. This uh, in a while. does not qualify for you. I <gasps> uh, what? what could well, that be? well, because a uh, coming to America. You uh. No, just because you went, you no, made your list off of the Oscar eligibility. Oh, is it the lost things? The and little I, things? Uh, no, that just missed. I, I know, uh, but I'm trying to think in that three month window, what sure. came out that was so shitty. I oh, no, I have that on mine. Go ahead. <laughs> I the United States versus Billy Holiday. Oh, yeah, I don't know if that is my number three, which I again a lot nominated. I know. A lot has been said by me about how much biopics are awful. Uh, I hate 90% of them Mm -hmm. uh, because they all follow the same boring structure 
that just kind of is is built in such a way as to repel me from being invested. Malcolm X is going to be a real test for you. I sure. I I expect that Malcolm X will have enough I uh, like interesting about it sure. to break the mold and like cuz there is that 10% that works. Yeah. To one degree or another. And even like of the okay ones. Like I thought Rocket Man was okay. Yeah, sure. I uh, So yeah, I think Malcolm X would probably be fine. All right. <laughs> it's a beloved movie. I uh, United States versus Billy Holiday just was the the boilerplate of boilerplates, and the musician biopics to me are so often the worst. And yet we can only get through like ten minutes of Walk Hard, which is spoofing. It should be completely in your wheelhouse. The idea that um, Dewey Cox has to think about his whole life before he performs. Yeah. So he's just sitting in a mirror. Looking in a mirror, and then we flash back to his childhood and learn his whole story. Yeah, maybe. I mean, maybe maybe at another time I'd find it funnier, because yeah. uh, the premise is certainly aimed at me. Uh, yeah, Billie Holiday was just completely soulless. Uh, could have could have been made with their fucking eyes closed. Uh, I also just didn't think Andrew Day was like very good. Mm. She was not. She was nominated for an Oscar, right? That was yeah. its. That was its thing, and I was just like. I don't get it. I don't know. I just I I hated everything about it. I hated watching it from start to finish. Let me see where uh, that came in on my list. I can just I can just watching Last these movies. Year. I can just like pinpoint. I can set my watch to when. Oh, now now we're in this next scene, and she's much more famous and doing drugs. I had that at seventy four out of a hundred and one. Okay, you'll be happy to know. That I had it placed in between my octopus teacher and Malcolm and Marie. <laughs> God damn it! At seventy three and seventy five. Uh, Malcolm and Marie, I do, I have just just a little better than uh, than these movies. I have it a star and a half. Uh, Billy Holiday, we're still in the one star. Uh, actually, all of these remaining will only have one star. All right. My, I have a question. Do yeah. we need the internet to record? I, uh, not that I, no, we do not. Great. Because I think we're not working again. So my number three, the next film you haven't seen is Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard. Nice. Certainly the worst title of any film of the year, especially when the last one was called The Hitman's Bodyguard. But what the problem is with this one is it doubles the hitman's bodyguard was a fun premise starring two well-matched leads, Samuel Jackson and Ryan Reynolds. Sure. And they went on wacky adventures together and they went on, um, it was violent and they swore and it was, it was, it was, it was okay. It didn't quite reach the potential I wanted. But it was okay. But it just it kind of it kind of plays in a fine mold. It's a great of these two grumpy guys become partners as it goes yeah, on. Yeah, it's they a great airplane. A yeah, movie. sure. This thing is white hot trash. The issue with this is it it's similar to the issue with um, with Ted Lasso. Okay. That it they doubled down on everything, so they turn everything up to eleven. The Hitman's Bodyguard was already at an 11. So this is at a 22, and it's it's incoherent, and um, 
you cannot stand what's happening. It's 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 unbelievable to your ears and your eyes the the pace they're going at, the jokes they're trying to hit. Salma Hayek gives a a really fun performance. She was my best part of a of a bad movie the at our B sides, but boy oh boy, this movie is just it's it's ugly to look at. It's um you you just can't sit through it. It's it's so grind your teeth and um it, they really missed what was good about the first one by trying to increase what they thought it was and it wasn't less is more sometimes i uh, i fully believe you that i could not sit through it yeah no you couldn't you uh, you, you wouldn't be able to sit through any of these remains this is truly a bottom three for the ages all right i my number two is the guilty remember the guilty the guilty is at number twelve. Okay, on my list. All right, that's a. Uh, I think that's pretty good. I a movie that I wouldn't say I was excited about because I didn't really expect it to be good, but I expected that it might be fun. If it was released in theaters. I think you would have expected it to be good, but that that Netflix tag. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, Netflix doesn't make good things right. uh, almost ever. I seemed seemed like it had a premise to be fun. Jake Gyllenhaal uh, doing a big uh, unraveling a conspiracy as a nine one one operator. I just felt in I, God. I don't. I don't even. I don't even know. I'm thinking about it and it's breaking my brain. I incredibly boring. Incredibly boring to yeah. watch. I. Just kind of kind of nonsensical. The premise, like, they did not figure out a way to make the premise work of, like, why is he stay on these calls? Uh, he just kind of goes into another room at one point and is like, all right, now I'm now I'm on the calls. What well, now I'm making the calls. I had the whole running through line of, like, he's on desk duty uh, for, like, killing some kid yeah, some... or whatever it was that just did not land at all. No. I He's also a dick to everybody. Oh yeah, he was a really bad guy. Yeah. I and then had had this like this like cheesy emotional ending like he saves the day I and it like helps him to resolve his I guilt. So about what I, at one point a woman just walks into the bathroom. No, they walks into his office. And just looks at him and says, broken people help broken people. And then he goes and vomits. <laughs> and then that's, that's like the end of the movie. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Because okay, right. the vomiting is also the end of the movie. I don't know if it's one to one. I Just a, a complete waste of everyone's time. And like, if you're going to have Jake Gyllenhaal in a movie and you're not going to make it good... At least make him be zany. Sure, he's got this whole zany streak uh, in this this part of his career. This doesn't even this doesn't even tap into that. He's just like a regular like dude, bro, dick. Yeah, I agree. I didn't like it either. Uh, my number two, yep. Home Sweet Home Alone. Love that. Oh god. The... <laughs> what? Just just imagining myself watching oh, these my movies. Oh god, I cannot imagine you watching this. First of all. The jokes are 
just not there. They're bad. And it's a great cast. Sure. The jokes are non-existent. But that was to be expected. What puts it this low on the list is what the fuck were they thinking? This structure of making the villains sympathetic so I don't want to see them get hurt. And not only that, we'll go back to that in a second, but making the kid actively the villain where you think that he actually stole something and is not giving it back to them before we learn it's a big misunderstanding makes this into a sadistic nightmare of a movie. These people are just trying to sell this thing that they rightfully own to keep their house. And here they are slipping on ice, being lit on fire, and being tortured. I don't want to see that. This is a shocking turn of events for a Home Alone movie, for a kid's movie, that made me the most uncomfortable watching a movie that I was all year. That's hard to do for a kid's movie. That is the power of Home Sweet Home Alone. Just the worst idea anyone had this year. Well, I uh, very much appreciate that take from Valerie Cherish. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I think the order of these, uh, not in terms of badness, because I don't know, but in terms of movies that I would want to see, is correct. Because I think I would watch The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard before I would watch Home Sweet Home you would Alone. You would watch both of these. So, you would watch. Would you watch Red Notice before you watch Home Sweet Home Alone? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, would, so let's see if you can keep it up for your number one. You will. Yeah. Go ahead. What's, uh, what's your worst movie of the year, Noah? My worst movie of the year, and this is, uh, I, I will admit, a little fueled by the discourse. Uh, not just the movie itself, but the movie it's itself Coda. is quite bad. Uh, no, Coda's pretty good. <laughs> uh, it's Don't Look Up. What? Another uh, wow. an- another best picture nominee. I have that one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen. Okay, fifteenth right. worst of the year. All right, that's still uh, right in between the woman in the window and coming to America. That was that's one of my lowest two stars. All right, that's still uh, that's still pretty low there. I'll take that. I listen. First of all, don't look up. Sucks. It's complete schlock. It is in no way funny. This is ostensibly a comedy, like a dark, a dark comedy, a satire. None of it's funny ever. There's not, there's not a funny joke in it. Jonah Hill is kind of giving a funny performance, but not in a way that makes me laugh. So like good for him, but bad for the movie. I is also just very stupid. while like so clearly thinking that it's so smart. It's making such strong and pointed observations about our culture and our time. Climate change. Uh, Climate change and Donald Trump and politics at large. Uh, None of it is interesting. These are are all observations that you'd be seeing every day on fucking Twitter like for the past four years. Climate change. Uh, Donald Trump. Politics. I'm being the movie. <laughs> Throwing a bird at your face. I it just fucking blew me away how many people involved in this movie were like, we're we're saying something. We're sending a message. I and they didn't. It was awful. And yeah, my my hatred is fueled by the amount of people who react to it and be like, Wow. You still think it's gonna insight. win picture? 
No, I don't. I think okay. I, I, I think that I think that ship has sailed. Okay. Thank God. I. <laughs> uh, but. But still, like there was a time when it could have, yeah. because because there's buzz, there's people going, wow, this movie that you know we we all watched. So important. We watched Dune, and then we watched Don't Look Up, so and that was kind of it. I. It's I, I don't know I don't know what they're thinking. It's so it's so bad. It's so stupid, and I hate it. My worst film of the year, it had to be. I saw this end of May of last year, and it stayed the whole time. Infinite. Ooh. A movie so bad it had to premiere on Paramount Plus when that just launched. Antoine Fuqua directed, Mark Wahlberg, Shiwata Algiefor, Jason Mantzoukas. Just the most frustrating chosen one it's the most derivative thing you've ever seen mark Wahlberg is 20 years too old for this part he looks insane saying these lines he has a big sword and it looks silly the idea of <laughs> the idea of um it's about reincarnation and the villain wants to put a stop he wants to stop reincarnating so he's going to do something to stop that from being able to happen. Okay. And yet he also has a bullet that if you shoot someone who reincarnates, if you shoot an infinite with it, that's it. They won't ever reincarnate. So the whole time I'm screaming, just kill yourself then. Because you don't want to be reincarnated and you have a solution to that. Um, no, the, the movie is Mark Wahlberg going door to door going, uh, wait, what's going on? What does this mean? And people going, there's a war coming if we don't do something. And they go to the location. There's a war coming. Go to the location. The war is going to come. It's, day now. it's one set piece to another. The final fight is so poorly staged. I can't tell you how misshapen this film is. It is the worst of what cinema has to offer. It is derivative. It is unoriginal, anticlimactic. When people talk about the death of movies, Infinite is one of the reasons why. It's the worst movie of the year. I do hate to say I would probably watch it before Home Sweet Home Alone. Though. I know you would. <laughs> so that streak would. is broken. But uh, All right, I, no. I, I Re- you recap your bottom five. All right. My bottom five was The Tomorrow War, F9, The United States versus Billie Holiday, The Guilty, and Don't Look Up. Mine was Mortal Kombat, Red Notice, Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, Home Sweet Home Alone, and Infinite. All right, our top ten. Let's talk about some good news. Love that. That's more fun. Round of Pods, the ten best films of the year of 2021. What's your number ten? My number ten. Are there any runners-up you want to just throw out there? What's what's like, what's your your next... Three. I uh, Benedetta, the Last Duel, and the French Dispatch. In order, uh, that was eleven to thirteen. Yeah. Oh, that was eleven to thirteen. Yeah. So Benedetta is at eleven. Yeah. The Last Duel. Okay. Mine going the other way. Parallel Mothers is at thirteen. Cyrano's at twelve. The Last Duel is at eleven. All right. Uh, I had Parallel Mothers at fourteen. So we're pretty uh, we're pretty locked in. What were your other ones? Up top there. Benedetta, I had at twenty five. Uh, and French Dispatch, I have at fifty-five. Okay. All right. Go ahead. What's your ten? All right. My number ten. Uh, the only movie uh, on my list that it's will the only not movie on your list be eligible on yours. Oh, I see. 
uh, because of the, uh, only the, time, the time difference. Yeah, it only came in at number ten. Wow, you were so high on this movie. Well, it was uh, I like like the the very top of this year. I think is very strong. Uh, I, I, my, my whole ten, I'm thrilled with. I so yeah, my number ten is Judas and the Black Messiah. I yeah. uh, another example of like this is. Not not quite a biopic, but like ostensibly a biopic. That was number thirteen uh, on my list here before. All right, uh, one that uh, that worked very well for me, uh, and really, like almost entirely on the strength of Daniel Kaluuya, mm-hmm. who like the rest of the rest of the movie was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, many many other strong performances in it, but I thought Kaluuya was so captivating and magnetic i thought the oscar he won for this role last year was uh, like one of one of the more uh, one of the more deserving acting awards in uh, our lifetime that you know go, going into that it's just like it it has to be him uh it just just completely blew me away in this movie and like it's been it's been quite a while since i've seen it and some of the finer points of it have faded a little bit, but the the degree to which he was the center and the star of this is still uh, still at the very front of my mind. Um, yeah, I thought it was great. I thought that he. I don't know if I had him at my pick for sporting, but certainly he was in my five. Um, I think it'd be insane not to have him there. And I don't want to pull that up right now, but sure. that's a good choice. My number 10 is uh, the most original film of the year, which is uh, um, Julia Dorcuno's Titan. Um, just a blistering take on uh, modern womanhood and... Um, a complete original. There's nothing else like this movie. Um, I think that uh, Agathe Roussel is nomination worthy in the role. Also, Vincent Lindo is that his name? Lin- Vincent Linden, also nomination worthy. This is stylized as one of the best opening scenes of the year. It has one of the best most scenes of the year. It's funny. It's really funny. It's really upsetting. It's bizarre and it hits you right in your chest. I was uh, enthralled by this movie and it stuck with me for a really, really long time. Um, I can't wait to show other people this because it's quite a ride. No pun intended. It is a uh, it is a very strange movie. It's one that I uh, one of those movies that I wish resonated with me more. Most movies I'll watch and like think oh that was fine and like not care i don't care that i didn't like belfast that much i i i do care that i didn't like Tatane uh, as much well, there was you gotta get a second viewing it yeah that's that's probably that's probably worth it i'll show the is, roommates come we'll show we'll a, show a, a mod there is a lot to, there is a lot to speak for it and i i totally see why it's a a movie worth an admiration like that yeah. just didn't didn't quite land with me uh, as the way I uh, I would have wanted it to. Yeah, Julia uh, Ducourneau at age I think she's like thirty. She's thirty eight. Wow, that's pretty good. I mean, she's gonna be making these kind of movies for a while. I cannot wait for what she does next. What's your number nine? My number nine is the tragedy of Macbeth. Okay. Uh, the uh, Cohen brother movie. 
Uh, oh, yes, thank you. Directed just by Joel. Uh, just a a great example of in the right hands when more is more. Uh, there's there is nothing subtle about this movie. No. Uh, it maybe you know, it's use of color. Perhaps they only use two of them. Uh, you know, Denzel and Francis McDormand as the stars are two two movie stars who can go very big. And in these roles, they both go big. Uh, the the art direction and set direction and set design is incredibly loud and ostentatious and like doesn't never seems like a real place in the world, but in a way that is obviously very intentional. The the walls are huge and sort of Escher-esque and the shadows are are enormous and fucking like deep dark black. Uh, and it's just a it's just a lot of fun mm-hmm. for me. I I can I can see why some people would find this kind of uh, you know la- lacking in that little bit extra that the Coen brothers bring uh, bring to uh, some of their other like masterpiece type movies. I uh, it doesn't it doesn't really have that little bit extra. This is just like a Shakespeare adaptation that fucking goes for it. But I I could not have enjoyed uh, could not have enjoyed my time with it much more. My number nine is the only documentary I have on the list, which is Questlove, Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, about the 1969 Harlem Cultural Festival. Um, You know, aside from the monumentous, and I don't think it should be overlooked, job of piecing this together, restoring this footage, and making it into a coherent documentary, it is the joy that Questlove has in doing this that resonates off the screen. Um... The word passion project isn't enough to describe him working on this movie. And the amount of joy that it brings, it does feel like you're at a concert that summer watching incredible acts. Sly and the Family Stone, Gladys Knight, Stevie Wonder, just doing their fucking thing on that stage. Um, It's a monumental job of editing, of sound work, of... Um, storytelling and his decision to interview people who were there and really give not only the performers their moment to shine, but the people who were lucky enough to be there, their story and their moment is beautiful. It was a terrific documentary. And I think the only doc and the only doc in a while that has really put me in the place that there, I guess Crip Camp also actually did that very well last year, but um, this year, especially this was the only one that put me in the in the story that it was telling. I felt like I was there. It yeah. was just terrific. Yeah, I uh, I like that pick a lot. And it was also, uh, just on a personal note, one of our first sort of, like, good returns to the movie theater yeah. this year. I uh, There were a few uh, a few movies that were fine or whatever. Uh, but I think Summer of Soul was early on. Like, oh, right, this can... I'd kind of forgotten. This can be special. Uh, that was a... Uh, that's a great movie. It's a very good pick. Mm-hmm. Uh, my number eight is Dune. Dune, my number... Hold on. I lost it. 36. 36, wow, okay. I, Did you think it'd be lower? No, I, th- I, guess I, I guess I probably thought it'd be a little higher than that. 
Uh, right in between Eternals and the Suicide, two superhero movies in the Suicide Squad. Uh, okay. I <laughs> and the Suicide Squad. Was I good. liked Eternals more than you. That's so. true. I. Anyway, Dune to me is kind of like I looked up Dune. A. It's not what I want. <laughs> it's a a small miracle of blockbuster movie making. It is kind of everything that I think a blockbuster can aspire to be while still being a blockbuster movie mm-hmm. in that it has its uh, it has artistry to it. It has a sort of unique bombast and majesty uh, while also being like big mass market entertainment, you know, like you uh, the Internet is down, so I cannot double check uh, the numbers here. Uh, can I have uh, Dune's box office gross, please? A uh, hundred and I think around three eighty, four hundred around that. Uh, it's a hundred domestic. Okay, I got it. And, and around four hundred worldwide. Sure. And this is uh, this is another case. Uh, you know, I I beat I beat the drama Blade Runner twenty forty nine often. I didn't make its budget back, but made. 90 million dollars 80 million dollars something like that yeah right. and that's just like 80s. it's bewildering and like dune it it costs more than 100 million dollars yeah. that's not quite what you want but still dune made a hundred million dollars sure i which is you know not these aren't spider-man numbers they're not batman numbers right. but that's really good for a a long and relatively uh, quiet and brooding and complicated part one of a a semi-obscure sci-fi adaptation. Uh, You know, I think think a lot of people know what Dune is but haven't read it, uh, which is uh, the camp uh, that I was in going in. And I I think it just, uh, it it succeeded on all levels. I left uh, clamoring for part two which uh, they announced immediately, thankfully. Uh, and I'm just, I'm, I am incredibly excited. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited for part two also, because my issue with Dune is it was half a story. What Dune, what I don't want to talk about what didn't work. It is a visual marvel and had some of the more awe-inspiring and striking images on screen this year and in a few years. It was a uh, a breathtaking technical achievement, to be certain, to be absolutely certain. Yeah. My number eight is uh, King Richard, a throwback to a film that doesn't get made anymore. I'm not referring to biopics. I'm referring to live-action family films. A Remember the Titans, as it were. A film that you could see with every member of your family, and everyone will enjoy it. They don't make them like this. They don't make them this good. This This might be the most competently made film on my list, simply because there are so many things that could have gone wrong with this. And yet for a movie like this to just be about the Williams sisters to be a very, um, you know, kind of family oriented film that could certainly have been PG. It was probably PG-13, but it could have been PG um, to hit this hard and be this good, led by obviously a stunning and Oscar worthy Will Smith. But more so the supporting cast, Anjanu Ellis, Oscar nominated, um, Sanaya Sidney, uh, nearly the standout of the film. Uh, she's not in my five for supporting. She was close. I think she gives a better performance than Anjanu, who's terrific and justly Oscar nominated. But um, it's it's shot with crispness. The tennis scenes are 
thrilling, and so are just the family dynamics. This was just such a clean, polished piece of studio filmmaking, of mainstream, dramatic filmmaking. This is a dying breed of of film, and to see one knock it out of the park, or whatever the tennis equivalent of that is, um, was a joy to watch, and uh, uh, just a great feel-good movie, plus John Bernenthal. Yeah, in his greatest role. (laughs) Who would have thought? Any movie that can make Brian come out of it going, wow, John Bernthal was great in that, is like... Hey, listen. Yeah, five (laughs) stars. I... I completely agree with everything you said about King Richard, just to like a slightly lesser degree on all of it. You know, it's not as flashy I, or as serious or as prestigious as the other films coming up on the list, but that's what makes it so impressive. Yeah, it's to me. just it's just really good, and like it's all it's just a good sports movie. The yeah, yeah. the sports involved are uh, well told. Uh, comes in at twenty four for me. I uh, going into the uh, the next tier up. I think for me, I. Uh, yeah, me as well. On uh, on my list with my number seven, West Side Story. Mm. I, which I, if this will be uh, appearing later, I can uh, I can hold off for now. If just uh, just to say that like Spielberg crushed it. Okay. I like he is a and shame on us for doubting. That's in my opinion. Shame on us for going. Can he do it? I mean, he can. He I. Can. I uh, no, I will. I'll, I'll push back a little there. Like Spiel, okay. Spielberg is not infallible. That's uh, true. It has been prior to West Side Story. It's certainly been a while since he made a movie as good as West Side Story was. I think. Uh, I think that what I kept saying throughout the run was that this is the movie that he's wanted to make since he was a kid. West Side Story was his favorite musical. One of his favorite movies. This is the one he always wanted to make, and I kept saying people were like, "I don't know, he's not really that great." I'm like, "This is the one he wa- yeah. wanted to make." The thing is that like it's it's not guaranteed that he's that great, but he he, he can be that great. He didn't always he want is, to make Ready Player One. Yeah, well, thank <laughs> God because that was yeah. Like I've plenty of Spielberg movies I haven't seen, but that's got to be among his worst. We might be talking about West Side Story later. I uh, yeah, I just it. Fi- fired on all cylinders was absolutely incredible yeah. uh, a an adaptation that was simultaneously very faithful and like just fresh enough to be interesting sure i uh, and like ev- everyone in everyone involved was great save ansel elgort who was perfectly fine perfectly fine i uh, everyone else involved was great the uh, stagings of the songs were great uh, and i i was v- very pleasantly surprised I, or I guess relieved. I was very pleasantly relieved that West Side Story uh, went as well as it could have. My number seven is Joel Cohen's The Tragedy of Macbeth. Wow. A film that might be the most uh, interesting. it, It is the most interesting film to look at. This year, I think that's give or take a green night. I think sure. that the surprise of the Macbeth aesthetic makes it the uh, the most fascinating to just peek your eyes at. The story is great. We all know that the performances Denzel. He's still in my five. Um, I want to mention someone that we didn't mention before. Catherine Hunter as the witch. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's in my five. Incredible. She's a contortionist. Incredible performance in this movie. Um, 
the cast is stacked from top to bottom. The sets blow you away. It feels so cold in every frame. Um, just Shakespeare. This feels like you're in the head of Shakespeare as he's writing this play. This feels like what he imagined this play to be as he was writing it. These, sure, in the, in the way that you sort of like nebulously imagine Yeah, when things. you're writing a story, you yeah. picture it in your head. This is what he pictured. This set, not only the castle, but the, the broken down cottage and the fork in the road. The, see, the line of trees. There are so many specific images. The presence of... Sean Patrick Thomas. There are so many instances of images and scenery and co- composition, let alone the performances and the direction. This movie is built on aesthetic, and it was one of the more aesthetically just complete films of the year. Yeah. I. Who would have ever thought that uh, you would end up liking The Tragedy of Macbeth more than me, even if just by a tiny little bit? Not a lot of people. I, I I would not have guessed that. Yeah. Uh, but it's cool. It's very exciting. Very good movie. What's your number six? Uh, number six is The Green Knight. Okay, that's at number 16. I, just a, a a feast for my particular pleasures. <laughs> yes. I, a movie that if you clicked print on Noah's brain, this would come out. Yeah, there's a there's a few there's a few different there's a few different things if you like uh, this this isn't the only kind of thing that I'm deeply right. into, but it is made up of nothing. But, but if Oscar Isaac was in it, then this, would, this would be deeply into sure. That would be it. Uh, if Oscar Isaac and Anna Kendrick were in it, or if Saoirse Ronan and Oscar Isaac were in it, then yeah. it would be... I'd, I'd, I'd also like Anna if, Kendrick. If they went to the castle and it was Anna Kendrick and Oscar Isaac instead of Joel Edgerton and Alicia Vikander... You'd be all set. Sure. But Edgerton was so good in this movie. Edgerton can play the king. Uh, it's right, Sean fine. Harris. Fine, fine, sure. Yeah. Uh, I I I just I, I absolutely love this whole this whole movie just wired directly into my pleasure centers. Uh a sort of a sort of weird and grim take on a fairy tale. Uh sort of a quiet, uh, contemplative acting. Uh, from its main character, surrounded by a bunch of like buzzy and interesting side performances, yeah. uh, Joel Edgerton, uh, you know, kind of getting to cook a little bit uh, was one of the. I love Joel Edgerton. One of one of the minor little pleasures of this movie. I think I'm Joel so Edgerton. So excited he's back as Uncle Owen. Is one uh, Kenobi. Christ, I, I he's in, he's clearly incredibly talented. And like to me, sometimes is a little weighed down by the burden of what he's trying to reach for. Right. I uh, and in he like just got to, he just got raced. Yeah, he just got to cut loose here, and that was it was a lot of fun. Yeah. I. Uh, I uh, Barry Keowen. I, I just say Keegan. I yeah, I've 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 also uh, just said Keegan. I don't uh, think it's but Keowen. I I think that's close. I think it's closer than All Keegan. Well, I. Uh, the Kellen, Joker, maybe, yeah, yeah, the Joker. I <laughs> uh, just a a fun little skimpish, uh, impish villain. Yeah, I uh, that scene with the giants where he's he's traversing and suddenly there's yeah. giants. It's just a a number of different little vignettes of just the scene in the house, cool shit. With yeah, the with the ghost. Girl. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then of course the uh, like the climax with the Green Knight. Oh, I thought you meant the climax in the bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the climax in the bed. <laughs> I yeah. just a, an, an incredibly cool aesthetic, 
uh, a, cu- a couple little asides him when he get when he gets captured in the forest and there's like that 360 degree scene mm-hmm. of like him decomposing and nature passing by and it's like what if we just did this for a minute and I'm like yeah yeah let's do it I uh, just just super cool shit yeah. I fucking love this movie yeah I just wish it was tighter I wish the script was tighter I wish the editing was tighter but uh, that would have put it in my 10 probably but yeah it is it is the most visually scrumptious we talk about visuals a lot here and we will continue to talk about that as yeah. we go on but um, the most visually scrumptious movie of like I've never seen that before um, my number six is the worst person in the world um, right. I think it is all right uh, <laughs> all right <laughs> I um, directed by uh, uh, Joachim Trier starring the uh, Oscar nomination worthy I haven't picked who I think should win actress yet so uh, Renette wait yeah Renette Rezvine Rezve something like that um, a deconstruction of romantic comedy that if if just the middle was again just a little more focused um, I think her with the second boyfriend, especially the acid trip stuff, just like, we don't really need this. If that was tighter. I think this movie starts and ends incredibly bracingly, terrifically. The monologue that her friend has at the end sure. just spoke to me so deeply and made me feel like such shit about myself. But not in a way where I don't like the movie for, just in a way where, like, you got me. That's what I do, and I shouldn't, but I do, and I'm terrible. Um, the movie's so incredibly written and visualized. The scene where she's running through Oslo, those are real people just standing still. And she tells a story about how they had extras come up and go, oh, I want to do it, and stand still. And they went, cut, and they go, okay, great, sign these releases. You have to be here all day now. <laughs> and they eventually had to start turning people away. They're like, people are like, I can't keep being here. Like, well, you're going to have to be. Um, but yeah, those are real people just standing still in cars, standing still all throughout that city. So beautifully realized. The images, the the simplistic dialogue that through this movie you think I haven't heard when she says they've said in the trailer where she says um, where he says I thought you loved me and she says I do love you but I don't love you yeah oh I mean that is just that's so true of so many things that's just exactly what people feel and like I don't think it's ever been expressed that way before that those the same sentence can have two very different meanings from each other and both still be true um, it's it's just a marvel of uh, of of, of a character um, of knowing a character and the, the match between her and this character is, I think the best match of an actor and a script. She's just embodies this person. I can't imagine anybody else in this role. And um, it's just a great, great romantic film. Yes. I, uh, I, I agree on all counts. I, we're we're close we're close enough to it on my list that I'm just gonna uh, okay I'm I'm just gonna reveal this was my number four okay uh, and I I agree uh, I just I agree on all counts I think she is she is absolutely incredible and embodies a, a just beautiful low stakes story about about love and about loss of love and about loss in general I yeah. uh, and what it what it is to try to go through the world. Uh, and it's, it is funny and sad in equal measure. Uh, it's funny. It's sad. It's sexy. It's like all of these things. Yeah. It's just, it's just a, just a movie that is accessing regular emotions. Yeah. You know, it's in the kind of the exact opposite way of something like Dune, 
uh, another movie I, I clearly appreciate very much was on my list, but is like, it's not trying to reach normal human emotion is doing a different thing. <laughs> right. And this, and this is just like, what if there was a movie about a girl? Yeah. And it was just like incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really liked it. All right. What's your number five? Uh, my number five is a uh, awards front runner. The power of the dog. Okay. Well, that's my number four. So why All don't right. we talk about it? Wonderful. Uh, works out well here. Yeah. I uh, well, let me talk about my five, and then we can go into yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. yeah, Um, my number five, which I am confident because I know how your brain works, we'll be talking about this later, is PTA's Licorice Pizza. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> trust me, I know. <laughs> I was thinking about your last like four <laughs> best of the year, and I was like, yeah, that tracks. Um, Licorice Pizza, which we'll talk about more. Uh, I'll just give a brief summary. Is um pure cinematic comedy it's 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 indie comedy at its best it's irreverent there's things that you don't think are funny and then they keep happening and you realize how funny they are it's the best example i think we have on this list of putting you in a time and a place aside from maybe one other one coming up um both leads are incredible and i'll, I'll kind of piggyback off what you say about it later so that's that's fine we can move on my number four is the power of the dog which is your number five yes Go ahead. Uh, go ahead. I, yeah, I mean, just God, I, I loved more than anything about this movie. And there's a lot to love. The performances are great. The, uh, you know, the set, the setting and the visuals are great. Uh, I also just, I love Westerns. I loved the deep rooted complex, <clears throat> excuse me, the complexity at the heart of this movie. Oh yeah. I uh, the the turns it takes and I don't want to say twists because it's not like the the twi- the twists in the plot are not important I guess save uh, the end uh, and what uh, what becomes of Apparently our villain. Apparently a confusing ending. Yeah, I don't Which is like pay attention to the movie. Yeah, just like watch a movie. It's not Guys, confusing what happens. I, I know. It's it's all it's the issue it's with all... Netflix. That's the power of Netflix. Yes. Put your phone down and watch. <laughs> I, it's, I'm I'm a victim of it as well. Put having my phone. I was watching The Great Ziegfeld, which is three hours, and uh-huh. just like, and I was like on my phone, and I'm like, wait, what's happening? I just went to Wikipedia and read part of the summary. I'm like, okay, I got it. <laughs> While you were reading that part of the summary, you missed the next thing. And that was I happening. had to keep reading. Yeah, but this, um, this, yeah, put just put your phone down. It'll yeah. tell you everything you need to know. I, but the, the way that uh, Benedict Cumberbatch is uh, Phil Burbank, I believe is his name. I. I just I'll it's a funny name. I'll I, I guess I guess I'll spoil this a little bit. I don't care. Uh, what are you gonna spoil? I just the fact that he's gay. I That's think fine. is the spoiler. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's fine. Here, like the way it goes from he is an evil man. Mm-hmm. He is the villain at the heart of this story. To a uh, you know per- perhaps he's not he's not quite so evil but he's just he's he's been ra- he's been raised in a rough way but then he he does sort of start taking a uh, young uh, young Cody Smith McPhee under his wing uh, and then we get we get the reveal that he is queer in this uh, this time when that's like it's it's rarely been okay in history yeah but the sort of gruff masculinity of the american west is very antithetical to what it means to 
be a gay person uh, at that time just doesn't mesh well. And you start to think, oh, you know, maybe maybe this guy is even go so far as to be sympathetic. But like we never we never go there because actually he is still kind of at his heart an evil man yeah. who has he has these nuances. He has these quirks about him that just make him incredibly compelling. It's the kind of thing that if Cody McPhee had come into his life earlier then it may have been different. If he had the camaraderie, he did, and sure. then he lost his partner. But if he had the camaraderie and another kindred spirit, then this could have been different. Yeah. And it it's not it's not quite played as tragedy. It's not quite played as a you know, as sort of a a sympathetic character, but it's just it's an ex, it's an extra nuance. It's every everyone has these extra layers in this movie. I uh, and I just I I found it deeply compelling. Um, what I think I want to talk about is Jane Campion and the layers in the movie itself, but the layers in her camera work. There's a scene in particular where Kirsten Dunst and Cody McPhee plays her son are standing away from the house, and in the background, just a tiny little figure is Benedict Cumberbatch walking. He looks at them and walks into the house. And she kind of shudders, and Cody Smith McPhee puts his hand around her waist and says, "Like you know, um, it's him, isn't it?" And she goes, "He's only a man." But that there's no cut. They don't cut to Benedict walking in, and then a close-up of Cody putting his hand. It's all one shot. It's one fr- not like it's one shot where it's a it's a running take. It's a frame of an image of him in the background. This little parasite who's invaded their system walking into the house. Cody Smith McPhee putting his hand around her waist as a sign of protection. Everything has a purpose. Everything has a motion, a beat that it needs to hit that adds to the story. Every motion that somebody has in this movie, every choice adds to the story. And it is beautiful to watch her compose these shots, these frames, and these actors performing these scenes. That is what's most... Um, impressive to me about the power of the dog is the cinematography, the music by Johnny Greenwood's great, and the performances are obviously great. But it's the way that Jane Campion sets the camera. There's not a lot of moving tracking shots. She sets the camera, stages her actors, and lets the images tell the story. Um, there's so many things that's unfair. The I, I really won't forget about Jesse Plemons stopping the carriage. And saying to Kirsten Dunst, I'm just like happy to not be alone. And they hug on yeah. the vast cliff where they're the only people, they are alone, the only people there, but they feel like they're surrounded by love. It's just so good. It's so good. I agree. All right, put your phone down when you watch it. Okay, what's your, um, what was your number four now? Uh, no, worst person in the world was four. So uh, we're down to uh, the top threes, I believe, here. Oh, right. What's your top, what's your third? We This might get very similar. I. Uh, yeah, we're gonna. Uh, I'm guessing we're gonna match up on uh, two of these three. Uh, we definitely are. If we don't, first of all, we're. I will bet a thousand dollars that we match up on two of these three, and I would bet five hundred that we match up on the order. I'm just uh, maybe, maybe not the order. Yeah, I'm just. I'm. I'm blanking on what's gonna be your number one here. I. Uh, so there's no way it's something that's that far down. I don't know. I'll, Go ahead. We'll, we'll, fi- we'll find out. You'll soon. find out. But What's this your is number three? I, <clears throat> this is a number another tear jump for me. My number three is drive my car. Not quite. Not quite. 
I'm not gonna do that thing where then we'll both talk about it because we're at three. Okay. So go ahead. I. That means our three. Unless you're surprising me with one, our three and two are flipped. Okay. I drive my car was just mesmerizing. Oh, I yeah. think is uh, is the word that comes to mind when I think about it. The the whole thing, and I don't I don't just say this because it's a Japanese movie, but the whole the whole thing is rooted in sort of foreignness. These uh, all the all these people at its heart are foreign to each other. They're all speaking in foreign languages. Uh, or, you know, signing in foreign languages, as the case may be. Uh, and still coming together to uh, to communicate with each other, all all in different languages, all at the same time. Uh, which, you know, I, I know is not like the primary of intention of this movie. He's not like making a Japanese movie for American people. Uh, he's just making a movie in Japan. But that extra I would hope not, because he did not get our sensibilities at all in this movie. <laughs> but that extra layer of like, not not only are all these people, uh, you know, talking to and past each other, yeah. but this movie is is talking to me in its own foreign language, which just kind of like ropes me into it as a viewer. I uh, and the just all of the sort of like weird cultural nuances, not weird. That's a, that's sort of a loaded word, but the, uh, you know, the, just the, w- the way this guy's relationship with his wife plays out is I, I, th- I think, I think safe to say like, just not, not part of a traditional American movie, just the way it's like, Oh, this is, this is just kind of how it is. And it's a weird thing, but we got it. Like you would not find that in, uh, uh, the power of the dog, for instance, which is the the whole, the whole thing is just it's playing on different layers of sort of strangeness and ambiguity, uh, and and finding the beauty in them, yeah, uh, at all times, uh, and is is just like I. I think mesmerizing is the word because it is three hours long yeah, uh, and never once feels like, Oh, this movie's like starting to drag. Uh, like, Oh, I wonder what time it is. It, fe- it It's so funny because I, I agree and I disagree. It felt like three hours, but I didn't want it to stop happening. Okay. The Batman feels like three hours, but there's something about this movie where like, I also don't know what I would cut. <laughs> Everything in this movie has a purpose and a place and has to happen. And I want it all to happen to me and I want this to keep going. Um, so it feels, it feels like three hours, but it, but not in a bad way. You're just like, you're like, you're watching a play. Like I've been in this movie for a while. This is great. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. All right. My number three is going to be your number two, unless the world's upside down. And it is Mike Mills's Come On, Come On. That is correct. Okay. So let's talk about it. So what this movie does for me is, and I don't know how much of it is written, because so much of what I took from this movie comes from the interviews with the children. But the way this movie is structured, um, the movie this is a movie about memory. It's a movie about time and connections. And it really brought me back to thinking about my father who has passed. 
and the idea that we will forget things that happen to us, but it doesn't mean that they weren't impactful and didn't change who we were. Um, Woody uh, Woody Norman is the kid, gives a terrific performance. Joaquin, you know, I was going to say it's unlike a performance like him, but he's it's it's the character in her. It's just a very quiet kind of low-key performance. We're so used to yeah. him exploding. Similar to, you know, we're not really here. What is it? We are not alone. What's him? Uh, you were never really here. Yeah, that. Yeah. Also very low-key, except for when yeah. he blows up, but also very low-key. So, um, but still, great performance by him, but just the him... Him and this kid getting to know each other is, it seems like a movie that you've, you've seen before, and in one case it is. On the other hand, it is so incredibly profound about memories and what stays with us and what doesn't. Um, it really reminds me of that passage from that book that I'm sure I've read to you before, but now I want to find it. It was from uh, the book, uh, I think it was from... Autumn by Ali Smith, but let me just read this passage. I think uh, I think in fact you uh, you found this and read this to me as we were leaving the theater. Yeah, I think from about seeing, this. Come on, come on. I think about this a lot. It's it, these are two people talking, and it says uh, this guy says to this young girl, "It's all right to forget, you know." He said, "It's good to, in fact, we have to forget things sometimes. Forgetting it is important. We do it on purpose. It means we get a bit of rest." Are you listening? We have to forget or we'd never, ever sleep again. Elizabeth was crying now like a much younger child cries. Crying came out of her like weather. Daniel put his hand flat against her back. What I do when it distresses me that there's something I can't remember is. Are you listening? Yes, Elizabeth said through the crying. I imagine that whatever it is I've forgotten is folded close to me like a sleeping bird. What kind of bird, Elizabeth said. A wild bird, Daniel said. Any kind. You'll know what kind when it happens. Then what I do is... I just hold it there without holding it too tight and I let it sleep and that's that. And I just love the idea that a memory you forget doesn't leave you. It doesn't have to leave you. It doesn't mean that it's gone. It just means that it's it's now a part of your DNA and that's what the power of this movie is. It's so touching and so sweet. It's it's just it's a it's just so good. All right, go ahead. Yeah. What do you have? I yeah, I mean, I think all of that is uh, all of that is absolutely true. Uh you know, I talked a lot last week about the sort of the way that the particular profundity of that idea affected me. It's just a, just sort of a perfectly realized slice of humanity, uh, which is, I think ultimately what I'm, what I'm looking for in the great movies that I watch. You know, I, I love, I love the bombast of Dune and I love the sort of idiosyncrasy of the green Knight. But what I really love is just a, a movie about a guy that just deeply understands who he is and who the people around him are and their relationships and their emotions and just evokes those things at, at every turn in a way that just makes you, that makes you feel things and come on, come on just has a perfect insight into its emotions and into its ideas and into its characters. And they all, they all feel like people and they feel like people reacting to things. And it's just, it's just beautiful. It's just a, a beautiful piece of humanity. Yeah. My number two is Raisuki Hamagachi's drive my car. 
a film. Did I miss something? You look no, I just I I was I was thinking maybe that the drive my car was going to end up at one. You're and gonna, I, and you're I was gonna, do you not know what it is? Two? You're going to kick yourself if you don't. Uh, get of course, it. I'm going to kick myself. All right, fine. I'm it's fine. Old. Don't don't look anymore. So, okay. drive my car based on a short story. You're still looking. It's, I can yeah, see you looking. Yeah, I'm looking because I just saw that it's Spider Man. Uh, <laughs> yes. I forgot about Spider Man. No <laughs> more like no way. It's not number one. Yeah. Um, no, drive my car. Uh, a three hour opus of grief and shared trauma, and that sounds dull. But I just rewatched it, and what struck me this time is the visuals. It is a beautiful, clean, and when I say clean, I mean everything is is green and white and airy. There's no dirt anywhere. It's just the whole thing when they get to Hiroshima is pure, and it's so beautiful, and the shots are great. The characters are terrific. Um, I don't have uh, Hitachi... Nishiyama on my list, but I do have his co-star. Um, I don't. I'll just I had it all on my phone. Hold on. In best supporting actress, I still have Toko Miura, who is his chauffeur. But everyone gives a great performance. The and the what's incredible about this is it's a short story turned into three hours, and it's so succinct. It feels everything feels purposeful and and complete. The individual scenes of this movie uh i i kept just being excited to watch the dinner scene again and the scene where the younger actor is in the car and he tells the story but he has so much more details than the other one has and the implication of that is so great the the scene at the dump is incredible the scene at the landslide site is i mean it's just it's chock full of scenes that you want to pay special attention to and you want to watch over and over again. The writing is crisp. The editing is on point. The music is this lovely, bubbly, jazzy kind of music when it wants to be. The performances are great. This is a ma- this is a, a three-hour master study in tone and patience in filmmaking and a plea for patience in filmmaking. Not that every movie needs to be three hours, but that every movie needs to be the length that it needs to be. So three-hour movies should be shorter. Two-and-a-half-hour movies need to be shorter. This movie needed to be this amount of length. This is a, a beautiful, beautifully moving film that I hope people give it the chance that it deserves. I agree, and I think Don't that is... put off uh, by its runtime. I think that is very well put. Uh, every movie should be as long as it should be. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I still don't know what your one is. All right, uh, Lady Bird, Little Women, and now the next coming of age, number one. Licorice Pizza. That's right. I Listen, I said this when we came out. I think it's kind of weird uh, how strongly I've connected with Paul Thomas Anderson mm. uh, recently. I, Can you recall what your number one was last? Never, rarely, sometimes, always. Yes. Also coming of age. Sure. I... Um, Little Women. Little Women wasn't my number one. Wasn't it? Who was number one? Parasite. Yeah. 2018. Do you remember? It was eighth grade, Roma, Black Klansman. Uh, if Beale Street. I think it was Beale Street. Beale Street? Okay. Yeah. All right. So that's not coming of age. And uh, 2016. You didn't have La La Land wasn't your number one. No. No. Moonlight wasn't your number one. No. Neither of those. 16. Uh, I think I just picked Spotlight. Was that that year? No. No. I. Uh, 
that might have been oh god what was it oh that was a uh, annihilation was that year oh okay all right great so it's not every year but no. yeah yeah sometimes when we get sometimes good, it's annihilation when we get a good one though it's sometimes it's the witch i uh, it's but yes it's it's either annihilation and the witch or it's licorice pizza and by the way for me it's always number two ladybird number two eighth grade number two book smart number two yeah uh, never yeah. really was always number two <laughs> Yeah, I, Paul Thomas Anderson is a director who is has I think been considered a master for uh, many years. Yeah. You know, he made Magnolia, a movie which uh, people love. Thank you. And uh, I don't. And he made Boogie Every Nights. Every five years, I'm going to push it on is, you again, and one day it'll click. Sure. He made Boogie Nights, which is a movie that people love. Are you not into and Boogie Nights? I don't know. I mean, not not in this way. Like I, I've seen Boogie Night once, and I remember thinking, like that was good. I liked we'll I, like I maybe the time is I liked Boogie, Boogie Nights. Nights. It, it really has, I, uh, but just did not like connect with me. Yeah. Uh, the, but and then like, Punch Drunk Love. Yeah, Punch Drunk Love. Like I, <laughs> that's I don't know also on the thinks that's like a masterpiece. But like I like Punch Drunk Love. People like it more than you. Uh, sure. I, uh, Phantom Thread 2019 is just like outstanding. Yeah, great. Like the. The, the second time, you know, there's there will be blood kind of throws a wrench into this, which I think is just a masterpiece of a movie. But it's just like I, I didn't expect Phantom Thread to be like, oh, right. this is this is going to be a movie that I'm in love with. And it was. And Licorice Pizza is another one that just like I'm just I'm in love with this movie. I think it's kind of just like perfect movie making because it takes all of the, you know, the humanity and the emotion that I was talking about with Come On, Come On. Yeah. But it adds an extra layer of sort of, uh, I don't know, like movie magic. I guess it's just like it, it is. It adds, it is it adds magical. Fun. It is magical. Yeah, uh, I absolutely agree. He he gets these two. He gets these two people at uh, at the heart of his movie. Non actors. Uh, Cooper, Cooper Hoffman and really Anaheim. Uh, yeah, both both non actors, but like adjacent to the industry. Uh, and they just they they both turn in outstanding performances. Uh, it's. It is inc- it's incredibly funny and thoughtful and uh, just full full of like stunning moments. Yeah. The uh, I I still think about you know I I named the uh, named the scene last mm-hmm. week uh, the the big uh, the big stunt we talked about the uh, the truck rolling down the hill Even before the big just, stunt the the scene of them showing each other up in the restaurant yeah where he sits down and goes order whatever you want I can get us beers you know. <laughs> And her sticking her tongue out at him, and 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 yeah, just the the way everything with Bradley Cooper, Bradley Cooper everything with Bradley Cooper, the him wh- at the gas station <laughs> with the lighter, yeah, <laughs> just going give me this. I'm next. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, the way their relationship grows mm-hmm. and changes and is always kind of bubbling and simmering and uh, is you know acted on just enough to keep us engaged. I it's just like. Just kind of perfect. Like Paul Thomas Anderson's really fucking good, yeah. and I, I want, I want, I want to go back and revisit the movies. Maybe, that maybe, uh, maybe that'll be um, something we do once all this madness, no sure. pun intended, is done. Is we just run through his filmography front to back? Yeah, like I, in I, in order. Like I, I want to watch The Master again. So very I. much. I, I want to watch Inherent Vice for the first time because I think so I, I think there's a good shot that 
I'm going to be one of those people that's like, this movie's awesome. Yeah. Instead of one of those people that's like, this, missed. this isn't about anything. Yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really know what else to say other than I just, I found the, uh, I found everything about this movie to be like, just kind of a perfect yeah. movie going experience. You ready for my number one? Yeah. You still don't know what it is? Coda. No. <laughs> Coda's at number 21. Uh, the movie I was most excited about all year that I, um, if the trailer would come on and I would just get giddy. It's Spielberg's West Side Story. Oh, of course. I'd forgotten about what I'd forgotten that we hadn't matched up yet on West Side Story. Yeah, I just skipped over it when you, Obviously. When you mentioned it. Yeah. Um, at 70 something years old, this is the most energetic movie we have on the list. The way that he is, his camera works, the way that he's editing this, the way that he's directing, the way that the choreography and the singing and the staging, this is brimming with raw cinematic power um, that could power a giant neon sign that says West Side Story uh, on Broadway. This is, this is um, movie making at its finest. This is heightening... An original source material, an original Broadway musical. This is the way these things should be done. This is adding on to the legacy of a film, not simply recrafting it. But every choice he made was correct, with the exception of, you know, Ansel. But I get that you kind of wanted the, the girls to come. But before all the nastiness happened. The star-making performances of David Alvarez, of Ariana DeBois, of Rachel Zegler. Um, this is updating a film for the 21st century and not by just like adding in references, but by the style of filmmaking. His heart is, you could feel the love and the care and the craft in every frame of this movie. It radiates, vibrates off the screen. Uh, this was the most cinematic film of the year, so it had to be number one on my list. I, yeah, that is, a, that is of course, obviously the choice. It was yeah. foolish of me to overlook it. I. Uh, but a, a worthy pick, obviously, for sure. His first film making be, being my favorite of the year since, uh, like, 1998, since Saving Private Ryan. His first film back, um, and his, uh, his sixth overall of being my favorite yeah. of, of the year. This is what I'm saying. There's been a lot of movies since Saving Private Ryan. Was not guaranteed that this was going to be a home run. I know, but I just, he was so passionate about it. I was like, you know, if, if someone's got one more swing in him and it's the master of of the cinematic experience, then he's got to hit out of the park, and he did. I can't wait for The Fablemans, which is his next movie, which is a uh, semi-autobiographical look at his life. Um... Yeah, West Side Story. All right, Noah, recap your top ten. All right, uh, ten to one was Judas and the Black Messiah, The Tragedy of Macbeth, Dune, West Side Story, The Green Knight, The Power of the Dog, Worst Person in the World, Drive My Car, Come On, Come On, and Licorice Pizza. And my ten, uh, ten up is Titan, Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, King Richard, The Tragedy of Macbeth, the worst person in the world, licorice pizza, the power of the dog, come on, come on, drive my car, and Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. There you have it. The Oscars are tomorrow and tomorrow, next week. Uh, very exciting for the, 
either a movie on both our list to win or a movie on neither of our list to win. One of those things will happen. All right. In box office news. <laughs> uh, Batman. No. We're, we'll, we, we'll get to that in a second. But opening this weekend, Jiu-Jitsu uh, Kaisen Zero, the movie, which is based on an anime, opened with uh, $14 million this weekend. 17 because it did open on Thursday. They did not roll it into the Friday gross. So this is this is what I mean. This is, this is the kind of shit that happens sometimes. Everyone does it or no yeah. one does it. Either way, huge opening weekend. That per theater average six thousand dollars, incredible. Um, also, just just uh, the uh, the Cashmere Files, which I believe is a Hindu language film. Open. Look at that number nine, one point four million. Noah, two hundred thirty theaters. Also six thousand dollars. Those movies can hit. We've yeah. said it forever. Happens all the time. Happens all the time. Um, and uh, X opened this weekend, made $4.4 million for A24. It, they tried to open it wide. They've had some success with this. Uh, Hereditary being an example. The Witch being an example. The issue was... And then they also did It Comes at Night, which did okay. The issue is with all those films, they had buzzy, buzzy trailers that played in front of movies. There really isn't a lot of movies out right now. There aren't a lot of movies out right now that could have the X trailer in front of it. Not sure. a lot of Spider-Man showing, showing X in front of it. And also, it's just a different marketplace, unfortunately. So, um, they've already shot a prequel. They've announced they want to do a sequel. So, they should stick around and make... They'll probably just do it, because why wouldn't they? Um, but it's just an okay showing. And the outfit uh, actually made decent money, in my opinion. I mean, not really decent money. It made only a million, but that per theater average could be worse, I guess, at a million four. Sure. Or a million one. And then in our spotlights, nothing was in its second weekend. Nothing opened against the Batman second weekend. So in our spotlights, you said that the Batman crossed $300 million and just about 600 worldwide on its way close to the... See, this is people think it's going to get to over four. Again, maybe. It's still to make 100. It's it's not going to make... It's going to make like 25 next weekend if it holds well. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But still, either way... It's going to pass BVS, um, which, yeah, it, it already passed the other Batman movies except for The Dark Knight, BVS, not counting Justice League, and uh, The Dark Knight Rises. So it's doing great. And the other one is, we mentioned it, it was number one on your list, your favorite movie of the year, Licorice Pizza, now has $16.9 million, which is more then the master Paul Thomas Anderson's movie um, in a more healthy marketplace starring uh, more famous people. Yeah. It made more than the master. So that's uh, something interesting. An indie film performing uh, very well right now. And yeah, again, looking at the chart, just things are dropping tiny. It's just people are going to the movies. Just, we need to get more product. I do think the lost city is going to be a big test. Good notices out of South by Southwest. And okay. I think the review embargo already dropped. Let me check over to Rotten Tomatoes real quick. But may, you know, the point is, seeing Red could have just done really well if Disney wasn't cowards. Yeah. What other kids' movies are there right now? Not a lot. Which Sing is, 2 came out 13 weeks ago. <laughs> and it's crushing it. Just opened big in Japan. Which is why Sonic 2 is going to do great business, probably. Because yeah. there's just a big void... Of kids' films. All right, The Lost City doesn't have a tomatoes thing yet. Uh, it does, 20 reviews are in, 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. 
So wow. I'm really happy with that because I want it to be good, and I want you guys to go see it. So do that, please. Uh, that'll be a big test because people are going to these movies. They're, the grosses are small below the list, but the drops are also small. So yeah. a consistent number of people are coming to see the movies. I hope something else can open big that's not just a superhero or a sequel, so we'll see. Um, all right, let's get to the madness or the sadness. All right, here we go. Concluding our draft for Multiplex Sadness. We're, of course, finding the biggest flop of the 21st century. We drafted half the tournament last week. This week, we draft the second half. We, we are now going to be collecting all of our contenders, and who knows, I may even read off all of them by the end of this. Okay, here we go. We have four divisions. Um, these are all straightforward. We're keeping these the same. Yeah. Drama, Spike Lee. Comedy, Mel Brooks. Family, Hayao Miyazaki. Action, Tony Scott. Uh, we're doing drama first. Noah, you have the first pick, as I have elected to go first on two of the other ones. Indeed. Here are our contenders. Deepwater Horizon, Alexander, Exodus Gods and Kings, Australia, Wind Talkers, Kingdom of Heaven, Ali, Allied, Cloud Atlas, Midway, Cats, In the Heart of the Sea, The Alamo, and The Invasion. All right. Ooh, this is a... Ooh, ah, ooh, ooh, ah. Remember that from uh, Cruising USA? Yes, I do. That, I, I, that sounded familiar, ooh, and I couldn't... Ah, ooh, ah. I could not place it, but uh, of now, course now, I played... Now, 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 now. Played quite a bit of Cruising USA. <laughs> Yeah, that was a good one. This is tough as a first pick here. I can there do are, it if you want. I uh, no, there are mm. four movies here that I really want. Uh, well, you can have two of them. I can. Maybe. Yeah, I'll definitely get at least two of them, which is good. I uh, so I know what I want first, so don't pick it. I'm well. I'm just gonna let uh, I'm gonna let the budget be the tiebreaker, and just go with the biggest one and take Alexander Damn it. as my first pick here. That was mine. I, yeah, I think that's a, uh, you know, cost $155 million, made 34 domestically. Uh, this is the Brad Pitt film. Or, no. no, no, I'm thinking of Troy, of course, is the you Brad Pitt fool. film. Uh, this came out the same year in yeah, November. that's also why I'm thinking of Oliver Troy. Stone, Colin Farrell, Angelina Jolie, Rosario Dawson, Jared Leto. Colin Farrell, yeah. Colin Farrell, another one uh, making... Making some appearances, you know, we make fun of Johnny Depp, and rightfully so, we should make fun of Johnny Depp. Uh, but Colin Farrell, uh, just a a much better actor than he is a movie star, unfortunately. Uh, but yeah, I've got uh, I got Alexander uh, locked and loaded at number one there. <sighs> I think I'm going to steal away one of yours. Okay. As my first pick, so I'm going to go with Exodus Gods and Kings. That's actually that actually was uh, is not was not that wasn't uh, one of your four was not it's like it's a it's a very strong contender for sure I think my my four wasn't necessarily like the four movies that I think should be drafted first mm -hmm. but just kind of going down the list maybe hope one that I hope to get in each round okay I uh, so yeah I think Exodus Gods and Kings is definitely a stronger pick than maybe my uh, my three and four on this list I. Uh, Though 140 it, million dollar budget, 65 domestic, and yeah. controversy. Yes, uh, well, you know what they say: controversy creates cash. Except in the case of Exodus, Gods and Kings. Is that what they say? Uh, it's been said. Okay. Uh, I've never heard of. All right. I 
for my next pick, we'll just uh, yeah. mm. see. This is this is where it gets really tough. This is where I'm most worried about being sniped. Uh, so I got I got to decide which one of these movies I want more. And uh, it's happened. I used to be able I've to died. do a snipe. No. Uh, oh, well. And I, th- I, you know, my head, my head says one, but my heart says cats. I want cats. <laughs> uh, 2019's infamous uh, cats film cost a hundred million dollars. Made miss cats. Twenty-seven. 2019's most cats film. I uh, only seventy-three worldwide, which is uh, another another blow, and just the discourse. The Buttholes, <laughs> Judy Dench. Uh, I fucking hate cats so much. It's really bad. Right. Uh, the movie and just the the broad idea. Like I think the you musical. Like the, the, mus- the musical is. Horrendous. Oh, the musical. Um, I'm gonna go with Deepwater Horizon. All right. 156 million dollar budget, 61 domestic. This never had a shot to make its budget back. I don't know what they were doing, giving them all that money. But here we are. I uh, yeah, in its favor, uh, pretty good. It is good. Yes, yeah. I know. I know. I, uh, yeah. It's it's always gonna win that category, it, which means it'll lose that category. Yeah, it's uh, it's a shame because I probably don't have to watch this again. Uh, it's fresh enough in my mind, but might might just we do have, it. We have too many to watch. Yeah, yeah you can true. watch it on your true. own if you uh, want. But we got too many to watch. Yeah, that's right. But uh, but yeah, the num- the numbers are a shame because that's a good movie. It is good. I uh, all right. I have. Uh, I have skated through here. Let me let me ask you: If I had left cats on the board, do you suspect you would have picked it there, or would you still have gone deep water? I didn't know what I was going to pick. Okay, so it's possible I would have taken it there. All right, I, I'm now a. I think, yeah, that'll be fine. I think that'll last. Uh, I think that'll last me until my final pick. So I'm gonna go. Uh, I'm gonna go with a movie that's important to me. In terms of how much I hate it, I oh sure yeah, and it's got to be Australia, <laughs> two thousand eight Baz Luhrmann film, I that was uh, really just kind of caught me uh, caught me by surprise. Who's the star it. of that movie? Who's the main? Who's the main character? Hugh Jackman. Yeah, but who does he play? Oh, the drover. Oh, and then Nicole Kim must have been the drover's wife. <laughs> she was the drover's wife. I realize that we keep doing that. We used to do that all the time. But if we would do it in a British accent. <laughs> we would always go, oh, I'm the drover's wife. Well, I think, I think that's uh, that's part of the bit. Okay, <laughs> all right, great. It's not even her doing an Australian voice. It's not it's even a, us imitating her yeah, at all. It, yeah, it also sounds nothing like Nicole, Nicole Kidman. Kidman. It's yeah. just a voice. Uh, it's just a funny one. I uh, yeah, and you know the numbers here support it. It's, uh, it's the fourth highest budget in the category at 130 million. It only made 49, 211 worldwide, which is uh, you know okay, but uh, just it's it's important to me, and I like it on my team. Fucking Baz Luhrmann. I'm going with a wild card. Uh oh. 2004 is the Alamo. Damn it! Oh, it finally happened. All right, that's fine. That's fine. I got three out of four. I can't. Uh, Ninety-two million budget, oh. twenty-two. The fact that they decided to make an Alamo movie and they went with Disney. Disney did it, where it was like advertising on the Disney Channel, if I recall. Wild. Yeah, that's. Uh, 
I actually remember absolutely nothing about the Alamo, oh, but boy. but we'll I had it. I, I had it fully pegged in uh, at my, as my pick there. Let's with look at the cast of the Alamo: twenty-two million domestic, twenty-five worldwide. Like that's yeah. What do they expect? Oh, Anything shit. to happen overseas for the Alamo movie? Yeah. No, that's right. That's uh, oh shit. All right, this John is good. Lee Hancock. You will never forget. Was it Buena Vista? I thought it was Disney. Oh, yeah, man. yeah, distributed by Buena Vista. Look at this cast. Okay. Dennis Quaid, Billy Bob Thornton, Jason Patrick, Patrick Wilson, <laughs> Mark Blucas. Wow. I... Who's Riley? No, of course he is. Emily I... Deschanel, W. Earl Brown, Tom Everett. Yeah, this is... You're selling that movie with that, that cast? Get out of here. That's a tough one. I was... Billy Bob Thornton plays Davy Crockett, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I cannot... Uh, I can't. I cannot complain. I got three out of four that I'd identified as my wants. Mm-hmm. But that's a, that's a good pick. Fucking Alamo. Jesus. <laughs> Fucking Alamo. All right. Uh, so then I am going to go... Oof. I... Do I go with the movie that might that has has a chance is a, something of a cult favorite among a select few? I I don't expect I'd be one of them, but it's possible. No, you're not gonna. Or like that. do I? Go I know you're th- you're not gonna like the movie that you're thinking. With the biggest numbers pick here, I you do like numbers. Yeah, I'm no, I'm I think the num- I think the numbers work. I'm not picking it in expectation that it might be a good one to watch. Uh, I'm more picking it in, uh, in terms of like on paper, potential, uh, potential uh, box office power. And I'm going with cloud Atlas. Yeah. You're not going to like that movie. No, I don't think I'm excited to watch it though. I 2012's cloud, cloud Atlas, cloud Atlas, cloud Atlas. (laughs) I, $102 $102 million budget. Who's your widow, Cloud Atlas? <laughs> oh, oh, Tom Hanks is. Only made $27 million. Uh, stars Tom Hanks, among sure others. Halle Berry, I think. Yeah. Uh, Wachowskis. Pretty big deal. Wachowskis, who, uh, you know, have reached great success in the past. It is in their bag of tricks to make a re- big hit movie. I. Uh, Cloud Atlas just did not come together. Uh, again, has garnered something of a, uh, a cult reputation, uh, and I'm happy for those people, even if uh, perhaps I won't be one of them. I'm going to go with what I believe is to be the worst film left on this list. Interesting. Simple as that. The Invasion. 2007's The Invasion. You and I saw that in theaters. Yeah. I remember we had that kid running around. You told him to sit the fuck down or something. That is. Yeah. I don't think I was bold enough to uh, curse at him at the time, but I did tell him to sit down and is in fact, my really only recollection of that movie. It's that. And the I fact remember, that the color yellow, I think is pretty prominent. Is that true? At least in the poster. I remember they vomit. There's the scene in like the ball. That's how they get you is they vomit on yeah. you. And there's that scene in like, there's like a banquet and you see someone like vomiting into like, the water thing. Okay. And they serve shit to people. And I remember there's a scene on a train where someone, it spikes one of those things in me where someone's going like, no, no, with like a bunch of people surrounding him. Sure. And I didn't like it at the time, but bad movie, 80 million budget, 15 domestic. The yeah. 40 worldwide. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The invasion was the other, uh, the other contender on my list. Those okay. numbers are uh, bewildering. Yeah. So I'm glad it's in the tournament still. All right. Uh, our contenders for the Spike Lee division, 
Alexander will face off against the Invasion. Uh, I don't see number two. It's right below. Exodus, Gods and Kings will face off against Cloud Atlas. Cats will take on the Alamo. And Deepwater Horizon takes on Australia. There you go. All right, our next category, the Tony Scott division, the action films, our contenders. We've got 16 of them. Battleship, Jack the Giant Slayer, Jupiter Ascending, Cowboys and Aliens, Poseidon, White House Down, Gods of Egypt, Stealth, Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, Miami Vice, The Island, Catwoman, Geostorm, Mortal Engine, Seventh Sun, Red Planet. A lot of good contenders on here. Boy, oh boy. Wow. Oh boy. Oh boy. Wow. Uh, this is going to be your first pick. Yeah, and uh, it's, uh, you know what? I'm pivoting. You would, oh. You would think I'd go with one thing. I'm going with the next. It's Jack the Giant Slayer. Wow. 195, it's the second one, 195 million budget, 65 domestic. Now, I know what you're saying. But Brian, that's the same amount domestically as Battleship, and Battleship cost fifteen million dollars or twenty-five million dollars more. It did. And to that, I say that's true. Jack the Giant Slayer, however, grossed one hundred ninety-seven worldwide. Battleship three hundred and three. That is, I think, a a fine tiebreaker there. And also, just doesn't make sense to spend that much money on that. I don't care who your director is. Yeah, especially if it's that director. Uh, yeah. All right, no, you're up. This is a, this is just a a treasure trove of this candidates. Is, this, this is, is this is really tough. I'm being pulled in a lot of different directions, uh, yeah. and so I've just got to I've got to go with my heart. Aww. You know, I've got to go with the movie that is the most important to me in terms of being a catastrophic failure. Uh, well, there's two on this list that I can think that you're thinking of. I. Uh, yeah. That is uh, that is probably true, but, but I think it's going to be it's going to be Jupiter ascending. Yeah, yeah. The other uh, one we'll get to if you pick it. All right, but uh, maybe I'll pick it. Gods of Egypt is on here. Oh, it's a different movie. <laughs> oh, yeah, Exodus, a lot of gods those. and kings, gods of Egypt. I uh, Alexander. Now, I uh, Jupiter ascending is by the numbers. Uh, pretty much just as big of a failure as Jack the Giant Slayer on just everything's turned down a little bit. Sure. There's a slightly smaller budget. It made slightly less domestically and slightly less worldwide. Uh, and is just, is truly, I think one of the worst movies I've ever seen. I don't want, I don't mean to keep picking on the Wachowskis because I, I do truly admire the fact that they, they have a vision that is apparent mm-hmm. and uh, like different from just the standard crap that we get. Uh, I think it's probably a way more interesting movie than Jack the Giant Slayer, which I've never seen, but I'm I'm sure is just the most generic, horrible nonsense that we'll find. I, but you know, when they take big swings, sometimes they get big misses and Jupiter ascending was, uh, you know, I was looking at that and I know what you're saying is that they're very similar. What tipped Jack the Giant Slayer for me is Channing Tatum and Mila Kunis is higher on the box office hit list than Nicholas Holt. Sure. Definitely. And also like Jack, the giant slayer did have a bigger budget. And so was in like arguably a bigger failure in that way. Yeah. I, uh, 
All right, so we're back to oh, you. Oh boy, this is hard because the numbers are all pretty much the same for most of the thing. Like everything has like it's equal. Yeah. You know. You just gotta go by uh, yeah. Go go by your heart. Go by what speaks to you. Well, Remember, this is this is not purely a numbers game. That's so tough. This is the the trickiest we've had. All right, I'll go with the infamous one. I'll go with Catwoman. Yeah, that's a 100 uh, million, 40 domestic, 82 worldwide and just failure in every every other regard. So that's what we're going with. That I think is a great pick. I uh, it's important to remember that, uh, as I said, this is not just a numbers game. One of our uh, one of the categories we'll be judging on here is the uh, quality the, of movie, uh, the quality of movie, legacy. and the legacy of the movie. Yeah. And Catwoman has, I think, an enormously negative legacy. Yeah, uh, will be a huge contender in that regard, uh, and is a great pick there. I. All right, I'm a uh, ooh. It's a great pick, but will it? Is it good? There's one I'm leaving overall? for you. Okay, I think I know which one you're talking about, and I'm it's wa- special to you. I'm wondering if I me. can justify picking it here. Sure. Uh, and I think the numbers say yes. Yeah, do it. Uh, it's a slightly smaller, I think, much uh, more poorly known movie. Low, low, lower profile, sure. Yeah. Uh, but I will be going with stealth. Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I was withholding for with you. my next pick, which is uh, I, you know, to be to be clear, a huge failure. Oh yeah, a colossal flop. It cost a hundred and thirty-eight million dollars in two thousand five. Yeah. for some like it cost more than the island, which came out the same year and had Michael Bay as its director. Yeah, this is and just- looks. Enorm- like the island looks so m- I haven't seen stealth yeah. the island looks a thousand times bigger than stealth yeah this is just some uh, some throwaway like completely mid-tier action movie I uh, they spent 138 million dollars on which is <laughs> mind-boggling uh, but as you said will always be very important to me That's because right. in middle school uh, I saw this with a group of friends and about halfway through the movie uh, one of them turned to me said why do they call it stealth uh this movie is of course uh, about a rogue uh, stealth bomber drone yeah uh, and is called stealth because of the stealth bomber uh just and, you know we were in middle school he was a he was sure. a young boy sure so i cut him some slack but even at the time that just really struck me in a like what the fuck are you talking about kind of way it's a stealth plane it's invisible <laughs> what do you mean why do they call it stealth i uh, uh, yeah that's uh all right that's good i feel good about this pick i was i was worried it was a little early but i feel good about that all right i have to pick this i can understand reasonably the budget spent behind a lot of our top movies here i get 160 on poseidon sure I get 150 on White House Down. I get 100, maybe not the Cowboys and Aliens, but the 100 million domestic saves it. And I get the 140 million on Gods of Egypt. However, the 31 domestic is making me pick Gods of Egypt here. All right. All right. That is just such a poor. And I remember when that happened, um, overseas was starting to save it a little bit, but uh, I, I can't get over that 31 million domestic 
That's bad. It's very bad. I. And I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna piggyback right off of that uh, to another movie that uh, was somewhat saved by its uh, overseas performance, but its relative uh, domestic performance is still uh, horrendously bad. And also, just I can't overlook how much I object to the premise. I will be drafting Battleship here. Okay. Uh, Battleship. No one has, had drafted Battleship. No, yet? Battleship had survived. I probably would have taken it. But yeah, all right, uh, that's it's, fine. Yeah, that's uh, sixty-five million on a two hundred and twenty million dollar budget. Uh, it did gross three hundred and three worldwide. That's not nothing, but it's a you know it's not even close to doubling its budget. So it's still a financially a failure. And also, they made a I I have to assume two hour and twenty minute movie about the board game Battleship, where yeah. you, where you say a letter and a number, and then the other person says you sunk my battleship. I don't think the aliens say that. I'm sure. I, I'm sure. One I of the suspect they do. don't. Someone says it. I guarantee you, someone says it. I. I, I hope they do. I. Yeah. I just. I can't. I cannot abide that. There's a. There's just a sort of craven capitalism in that that is is a bridge too far for me. Can't do it. Battleship is my selection. My final selection is going to be way down at the bottom, 2014 Seventh Son, a film you didn't know existed two weeks ago. That's true. That cost $95 million to make and gross 17 domestic. It's true, it did decently overseas. However, you knew what Mortal Engines was. Oh, yeah. And you did not know what Seventh Son was, and so there you go. I think that's a uh, that's as good a barometer as any. I uh, and now it's down to me. I uh, going through this list. I'm knocking the I'm knocking these guys off. There's as you as you said earlier, a lot of these a lot of these numbers are uh, are very close to each other. I mm-hmm. uh, that one. Mm, ooh, I guess I I don't I don't have to I don't have to obfuscate myself i get the last pick here i uh, final fantasy very strong contender here yeah uh, i mean it's, it's not, a huge not, game though like I I, yeah there it's, is like fi- final fantasy i see reason to spend that much money on over say ghost in the shell sure i uh, though still 137 million in 2001 yeah it's a lot. Uh, and only grossed 85 it's a lot. worldwide i uh, but then you go farther down. Mortal Engines cost a hundred million dollars. It's low down on this list, so it it seems less impressive. But it cost a hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. and it made sixteen domestically. Big flop. That's like that's less money than Red Planet, for instance, <laughs> by a whole million dollars. Uh, though Red Planet cost eighty and only grossed thirty three worldwide. I mm-hmm. uh, I think these are the three I'm really choosing between here. And I think, I think it's gotta be mortal engines. I think, okay. you know, this is a, this is a primarily a domestic box office podcast. And so I'm going to let that be the tiebreaker for you me. You'd say we're America first. Uh, is that what you're saying? Well, you could say that if well, you want. You sound like you just said. <laughs> I, I was just confirming. That's what you meant interesting uh, interpretation <laughs> mortal engines cost a hundred million dollars uh, gross 16 that like i feel like you got to try pretty hard 
to only grow 16 on fair. that big of a budget. Fair, fair, fair. All right. So our matchups for the Tony Scott division. We have... There it is. Jack the Giant Slayer taking on Mortal Engines. Jupiter Ascending faces Seventh Sun. I wonder if it's the Seventh Sun. We'll never know. Catwoman takes on Battleship. That'll be interesting. And Stealth versus Gods of Egypt. Good, All right. good category. Yeah, I, uh, I I like that one. I think that's a really strong... Uh, if we, we might have a serious contender for the whole thing coming out of action. The Mel Brooks Division. Comedies. Comedies can't bomb. They don't cost that much. Or... They sure can. Here we go. 19 contenders. They are. Evan Almighty. Dark Shadows. How do you know? Town and Country. Land of the Lost. The Adventures of Pluto and Ash. Monkey Bone. Showtime. Little Nicky. Evolution. Hollywood Homicide. Rumor Has It. I Spy. Osmosis Jones. Mordecai. Geely, Death to Smoochie, what planet are you from? And Big Trouble. I'm from Earth. <laughs> All right, I get the first pick. You do. I hate to do it. It was my birthday movie, but Evan Almighty cannot cost $175 million. No, no, it cannot. That is a ludicrous sum. I know you're trying to do a flood, and it's all biblical, but that is a ludicrous amount of money, and <laughs> that is wild. Especially I, if it's not going to be good. I really can't imagine how in your in your wildest dreams, like the biggest, most most production heavy version of Evan Almighty that one could conceive of could cost more than a hundred million dollars. I literally regret my pick already. I, I want to pick something else, but that's fine. I'm, it's fine. Oh shit! See, I, f- I feel like there's a uh, I feel like that then drives a lot of pressure. To me, a lot of pressure. There's a few movies that are within the same yeah. range here. I, Especially I when you consider the pedigree behind some of the stuff lower down. Yeah, I think. Uh, oh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of stuff lower down that's uh, that's wild. But I have to go. I have to go, especially because so many of these don't have huge budgets. I gotta go with how do you know? Thank God. Yeah, see, I was, I was. I that's was fine. That is, that is, that is the cor- that is a correct pick. Yeah, that's a uh, cost a hundred and twenty million dollars. Which again, I I don't know. I know there's no flood in how do you? I haven't seen it, but no, I don't there are think four that, stars that apparently did not want back end points. Well, uh, good and, call. <laughs> and the writer director who made a lot of money on it. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a good call because uh, while costing 120 million dollars, it made 30 million domestically and 48 worldwide. Yeah, uh, which is really bad. You know, you may be a uh, you may be a relatively new listener to this podcast. Uh, that's come for the yes, welcome. Of course, you've come for the novelty of the tournament. I uh, that is, those numbers are really bad. Uh, you'll come to learn that as you uh, you get into the uh, the nooks and crannies of what we do here. I uh, and this. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I don't know what what more else to say. There's a lot of stars in that. Seems like some of them could have drawn someone, but none of them did. What what do I usually go? What have I been going for here in this tournament? I uh, you have been going for I uh, perhaps the famous of the flops. Yes. The uh, the infamous. And that does not change here. As I'm going bearers. for, I saw this in theaters. I was part of the four million dollars of the people that saw this. 2002's The Adventures of Pluto Nash. Yeah. 
Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. uh Wait till you watch the adventures of Pluto Nash and my next pick. Maybe this I'll... is this is gonna be the rough category. Yeah. But Oof. it'll be fun. It'll be a blast blast from the past. Is that on here? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I like that movie. All right. I uh, yeah, uh, Pluto Nash definitely should have been picked by now. A uh, $100 million budget, made four, made seven. Uh, that's uh, that's really good. Uh, so I am, uh, I am of course, and because they are right next to each other, I cannot overlook this again. Damn. I know. I, I'm going to take the slightly, uh, the slightly pared down version of Pluto Nash. It only cost seventy five million. That was going to be my next pick. To make Monkey Bone. Oh, and it made five you, million dollars. Wait till you see Monkey Bone. <laughs> I saw uh, that in theaters as well. It almost ruined my brain. <laughs> it, when we watch this, I want you to imagine a ten year old watches and just like, <laughs> like I felt like I was like on taking having a bad acid trip. Yeah. Monkey Bone uh, made $5 million domestically, which is 25% more than The Adventures of Pluto Nash. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, I mean, those numbers are uh, inescapable. All right, for my next pick, I'm going with uh, 2001's Town and Country. All right. Which we're picking a lot of movies nobody's heard of, which made, oh, uh, it cost 105 and it made six. Here who's in, here who in, <laughs> here who's in Town and Country. Hold on. Oh, you're just you're just making me think of like the mall. Remember the town and country mall from back home? No, what it was had in a it? best. It's where Best Buy is. Oh, then yes. Yeah, uh, they had an old country buffet. Yes. Uh, Dick's Sporting Goods, all the I classic the mall stuff. Uh, all right, here we go. You ready for this? I'm ready for it. Town and country. Based on a mall. Warren Beatty, Diane Keaton, Goldie Hawn, Gary Shanley, Andy McDowell, Jenna Elfman, Charlton Heston, Josh Hartnett, Buck Henry. I Big cast. Putting Josh Hartnett in a movie with all of those people well, should be a capital young. crime. He was young. I don't care. They should have known. Uh, yeah, Town and Country. Um, such a big budget. What's, what's, what's your next pick? I, all right. We got to... I think I think all the, all these picks have been right, but I think we gotta we gotta shake this up a little bit. You can't just go for the movies that have all grossed less than ten million dollars ever. I uh, though I mean we can. There's more left, uh, including one that uh, small budget but There's... probably getting picked. I uh, <laughs> there's a few down there. Yeah, I am going to go especially one that was not released overseas. Can you spot that one? I. I probably uh, probably can't. Oh yeah, that one that one's probably it. I <laughs> uh, no, but I'm I'm sh- I'm shaking it up. I'm going uh, really in the farthest uh, the farthest opposite direction that I can. I uh, you picking Endgame? What is this? <laughs> yeah, yes, I'm picking Avengers Endgame, famous comedy. I uh, no, the farthest opposite direction available to me. Uh, I am going to pick 2012's Dark Shadows. Okay. Which, uh, you know, after all these movies we've been talking about that have grossed, uh, you know, seven, ten million dollars worldwide, to pick a movie that grossed two hundred and forty-five million dollars worldwide just kind of seems like a whole other exercise. I, uh, however, it did cost one hundred and fifty million and grossed only eighty-two. Sure. I uh, and I think this is one of those picks where I'm just picking a. I'm picking an ill-conceived movie. 
Hmm. I think this is, uh, you know, 2012. This is uh, Johnny Depp at, I don't know about the height of his powers, but certainly, uh, certainly in the, uh, in that, in that realm. And you adapt Dark Shadows? A, uh, it's one a, of his, him and uh, Burton's favorite shows as a kid. It's a uh, a show that I am uh, perfectly fine to admit that in 2012, never heard of. Mm. I bet a lot of people had not heard of it. Uh, and just to spend $150 million to be like, I liked that show Dark Shadows. Yeah. What if we did that as a movie? It, but like one of the biggest uh one of the biggest attempts at a comedy blockbuster we could. I just really bad idea. A terrible idea. Should not have done it. And and I feel good about that pick. For my last pick, and I hate to do it, because I like I like the two stars. And we just watched that video where the one star was like, it didn't it wasn't that it didn't do that bad. I don't like everyone ganging up on it. But I gotta pick it. You gotta pick it. It's Gigli. It's it's what everyone thinks of when they think of a flop. It's the it's the battlefield earth of that year. So I gotta pick it. Gigli, fifty four budget, six million domestic, seven worldwide. What's your last pick? Yeah. Uh, all right. So lots of lots of strong contenders left here. Uh, you know, looking down the list, Hollywood Homicide, seventy five budget. 30 and 50. Uh, really bad. Uh, I Spy, basically exactly the same. Uh, mm, Osmosis Jones, though, uh, I think is going to be going down. You know, Death to Smoochie, I think, is the movie you mentioned that was not released uh, outside think, of... Uh, I don't think it was. Maybe it was released and just... just ev- didn't make ev- any yeah, money. everyone decided not to see it because it made $8 million domestically and $8 million worldwide. I, Edward Norton directed film. Yeah. I... No, I think I will. Uh, I think I will take Osmosis Jones here. Oh, why are you gonna make us watch Osmosis Jones? I don't need to watch Osmosis Jones. I don't want to watch the, the scene. You can skip it. I... You know, I looked away from all the bits in Jackass where they were like, I'm going to give myself paper cuts for three minutes. I I would have looked away if, if what happens in Osmosis Jones happened. That one I would have looked away from. Okay. That I can't do. Well, then... Uh, That's my threshold. Get get ready to look away because Osmosis Jones, with its $70 million budget, which is high, mm-hmm. I only made 13 domestically and 14 worldwide. That's a right. million dollars overseas. I have to go. Here's the thing. I get Land of the Lost. Yeah. I get the budget. Yeah. I get Showtime. I get Little Nicky. Evolution's uh, tough. Uh, let me let me let me ask you a question yeah. here. Are you uh, leading up to a uh, a draft pick of yours? Yeah. Why would I not have a pick? No. We, that was uh, Moses Jones is the last one. Oh, I don't get a pick anymore. No. All right. Your, great. Your final pick was Monkey. No, sorry. That was $7 million, not the seventh pick. Gilly. Your final pick was Gilly. Okay, fine. Death is she doesn't get picked. Okay, here are our matchups for the Mel Brooks division. Evan Almighty takes on Osmosis Jones. How do you know? We'll face Gilly. Good luck to How Do You Know. Uh, the Adventures of Pluto Nash will take on Dark Shadows. And Monkey Bone takes on Town and Country. 
Wow. That's going to be a hell of a matchup. Movies nobody's heard of. Our final division, the Hayao Miyazaki division, the family films that flopped. Oh, no. 15 um, contenders for eight spots. Here they are. Tangled, Disney's A Christmas Carol, Hugo, Tomorrowland, Mars Needs Moms, Flushed Away, the BFG, The Nutcracker in the Four Realms, Monster Trucks, Home on the Range, Spies in Disguise, Surf's Up, Wonder Park, The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, and Playmobil. Noah, yeah, first pick. I get the first pick, and I uh, you immediately going down to the bottom. No, I'm not. Wow, that's uh, interesting. Yeah. No, I don't know. Maybe I should, but I'm no, I'm not going to because it's uh, it's twice the budget. I and like I truly didn't know that that movie existed until Playmobil. Yeah, remember remember you had me do that Sporkle quiz. Uh, like a month or two films, back, yeah. and it's like every animated film. Yeah, uh, and that one came up, and I'm like, I don't know what this is. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna be true to that, and I'm gonna draft Mars Needs Moms. Uh, That's what I want as the uh, as the number one. Cost 150 million dollars. One of the things that uh, you'll probably notice about this category, dear listener, is that uh, these mo- these movies did like okay, by and large, you know. Uh, especially near the top uh, kind of kid kids will kind of see anything to a certain point except for you know mars needs moms and uh playmobil uh, i don't i don't need to hide it we all see the playmobil made a million dollars uh but yeah mars needs moms cost 150 million dollars made 21 domestically and 39 worldwide uh that is a stark drop off from the higher budgets in this category which all did like Kind of fine, better than better than Margie's moms, better than a lot of those comedies we just talked about. Uh, so yeah, that's my pick. My pick is Monster Trucks. Ooh, 125 budget, 33 domestic, 64 worldwide, and just the gall that this executive's kid was like, "What if Monster Trucks were a million monsters and they're trucks?" And he was like, "Great, 125 million dollars, we're spending it." Yeah, disgusting. <laughs> I agree. You'd think they'd put a little more thought into these things. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of money at stake, guys. I uh, all right. I like that pick. I like that reasoning. I I got to take Playmobil. Okay. Uh, which, uh, as I mentioned, I had not heard of prior to a little while ago, despite it coming out in 2019. Uh, it is the lowest budget uh, on this list at 75 million dollars. However, they sp- still spent. $75 million uh, and got a return of one, $1 million domestically. That, yeah, something uh, fishy happened with that movie. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what's going on, uh, but that's too low. That's way too low. Even worldwide, 16. That's a, uh, it's really, it's as bad, it's as bad as you can do, basically. Uh, I, I, I gotta go with Tomorrowland for my pick 170 budget 93 and just 209 worldwide. Yeah. That was a, uh, yeah. It's very excited about that movie. So excited. Seemed very cool. Great teaser. I, uh, the teaser, the teaser was great. I, uh, it's, you know, it's based on, based on a Disney property, but like pirates was based on a Disney property that mm-hmm. went really well for a while. I, uh, this was Brad Bird, Brad as I Bird's recall. Follow up, Mission Impossible follow up. George yeah. Clooney. I, and then, uh, you know, I, I can't 
let Tomorrowland be brought up without mentioning this you every always time. Mention it. I always mention it. It's it's one of the most it's one of the most perplexing things in the world. It. Remember when George Clooney was in love with that little girl? <laughs> in, in Tomorrowland? I don't know if it was exactly that. It might be, I forgot, but I, I think it was. I mean, right. she she was she was like an avatar for a person or a force or something that like what it was like an adult woman mm. that George Clooney was in love with, or maybe it was like George Clooney was in love with her as a child and has since like grown up and returned and is like, ah, my love, you have not aged. And I have, uh, but be that as it may, whatever the reason for it, what they presented was George Clooney being in love with that little girl who was like a robot. And I, there should have been meetings. Someone should someone should have called and been like, "Hey, Brad, you want to get to set fifteen minutes early tomorrow, and just we can hash this out one on one." Because I have a note. I don't have notes. You know, you're the director. You're in charge. I have one thing that just has to be said, and I'd like you to hear it. And it's that he's a, he's a grown man. He's not like old, but he's old. And she's a child. She's a child playing like an adult robot, but she's a child like the actress. And perhaps we should consider a rewrite. I uh, so yeah, that's a good call. Tomorrowland. That's a uh, that's a creative flop in that sense. And also the money is bad. Certainly. I. Uh, all right. So I get to pick next, and I will take. I. Uh, yeah, I will take another example of Disney's inability to just kind of make a live action success. They had a, uh, a real long string. Maybe they're still in that string. I don't, uh, I don't recall off the top of my head, but they made Tomorrowland didn't work. They made fucking a wrinkle in time. Didn't work. And they also made the nutcracker in the four realms, which is a, a movie. Now, that... Why did you choose that one instead of the one above it, which costs more and made less domestically, even though it's slightly. I, it just kind of speaks to me as a worse idea. Okay. I think All right. I, that's fair because you're talking the one directly above it. Yeah. Uh, the BFG. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah, I, I see a world in which a, uh, a rolled Spielberg doll adaptation uh, made by, uh, made by Spielberg, sure. who I think just like gets a little credit. Sure. Uh, Spielberg gets to walk into a room and be like, can I have $140 million? That's why I'm not movie? picking it. There's no real reason why they didn't work. It just, people didn't want to see it. Yeah. So like it's uh, not release date. It's not cast like you know i mean yeah it just it just didn't work but i get it yeah but the nutcracker in the four realms was uh an adaptation of a famous ballet but then they added four realms (laughs) and just like what are you doing why do we have to take these things that are just like oh the nutcracker like the famous christmas dance but what if there were four realms? The famous Christmas dance. <laughs> yeah, like you go see the Nutcracker at Christmas, and there's and there's dancing. Yeah, and there's like there are Nutcrackers involved, the guys Ooh. with the unhinged jaws, and there's rats. Yeah, and it's it's like a it's very it's like a very nice little cultured thing. And then someone thought that it would be better with four realms, and it wasn't. It also feels and everyone like a movie agreed. that was like dumped on that release date. Like it just suddenly came out. Yeah. Yeah, and it's. I think. I think they made the movie and realized. Oh no, that's too many realms. Uh, my next pick and potentially my last. No, it's not my uh, last. No, this is your second. I'm going last. with Flushed Away. All right. P 
peak uh, DreamWorks making hits a year after uh, Madagascar and uh, just completely flopped here domestically. And I understand that the the storyline and the premise isn't as universally accessible as animals in a zoo escape. Uh, you know, British rats in sewers, but um, yeah, are in fact flushed away. But still, what about you? I all right for my last one here. I oh boy, I have a uh, I have a few options, obviously, uh, and I think I will just take the. Yeah, I'll just I'll let the uh, I'll let the numbers be my guide. I'll go with the uh, the movie left that by far made the least money, and we'll take the Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Okay, which uh, what a watch that'll be too. Came out uh, came out in two thousand. Saw it in theaters. I I, uh, I, I might have. I don't know. I'm pretty sure I saw this. Okay, uh, I don't remember if it was in theaters or on VHS later. I. Uh, but yeah, that uh, cost seventy six million dollars, made twenty six domestically and thirty five worldwide. Uh, that is, uh, especially in terms of worldwide totals, just by far the biggest financial failure left on the list. My last pick and the last pick of this division is going to be the critically beloved, but financially doomed, Hugo. Hugo. Yeah, I'd considered Hugo. Who's given Martin Scorsese one hundred eighty million dollars to make a kids movie? That's about kids who love old silent films. It's a good question, and you know, like this is kind of this is kind of similar to how we talked about the BFG. It's it's not exactly the same because mm-hmm. uh, Spielberg is a famous uh, blockbuster director Correct. who's made many of the biggest films ever, and Martin Scorsese makes good movies, but not some like, of them. Not, are... not to say Spielberg doesn't, but you know what I mean. Like they are primarily good movies that occasionally make some money. Scorsese topped it, departed at one twenty six. Yeah, I uh, and like I I do feel like in a way that like Hollywood should work like this where you get to be Martin Scorsese for yeah, your entire you life and then just kind of cash in yeah, sure. and be like, I want to make Hugo well, for some did. reason. Yeah. That and the Irishman. Yeah. And, well, that and silence. I would sure. say. Uh, boy, I loved silence. The, film, a great that, fucking the movie. film that took him out of uh, theatrical marketplace. Entirely. Yeah, that's fine. That's a, you got to pay a cost for things sometimes. I, uh, anyway, your uh, Hugo is your, uh, your pick here. I, uh, yeah, it's just yeah. This is you All know right. prime prime movie for me to not like. Our Miyazaki matchups are once I find it, Mars needs moms. Will take on Hugo. Uh, monster trucks will face the adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Playmobil faces flushed away. And Tomorrowland takes on the Nutcracker and the Four Realms. So there we have it. We have all of our contenders, Noah, and I am going to read them all. All right. Here are all 64 films vying for the title of biggest flop of the 21st century. Transformers, there's going to be a lot of words because there's colons and all these. Transformers, The Last Night, Dark Phoenix, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales, Alice Through the Looking Glass, Independence Day Resurgence, The Divergent Series Allegiant, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Voyage of the Dawn Treader, Son of the Mask, The Lone Ranger, 
John Carter, The Golden Compass, Green Lantern, Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, The Last Airbender, After Earth, R.I.P.D., 47 Ronin, The Sorcerer's Apprentice, Gulliver's Travels, The Tourist, Transcendence, Battlefield Earth, Ballistic, X vs. Severs, Black Hat, Deepwater Horizon, Alexander, Exodus Gods and Kings, Australia, Cloud Atlas, Cats, The Alamo, The Invasion, Battleship, Jack the Giant Slayer, Jupiter Ascending, Gods of Egypt, Stealth, Catwoman, Mortal Engines, Seventh Son, Evan Almighty, Dark Shadows, How Do You Know, Town and Country, The Adventures of Pluto Nash, Monkey Bone, Osmosis Jones, Geely, Hugo, Tomorrowland, Mars Needs Moms, Flushed Away, The Nutcracker, and The Four Realms, Monster Trucks, The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle, Playmobil, Doolittle, Pan, The Wolfman, The Incredible Hulk, Total Recall, The Fantastic Four, Ghost in the Shell, and Point Break. Incredible. One of those films will win multiple sadness. Very uh, excited to see which one does. And it all starts next week. Should we have uh, should we have included uh, Alien versus Predator in this list just so that we could steal its tagline? Whoever, no, we could just still <laughs> steal its whoever, tagline. Whoever wins, we lose. <laughs> I think that's fair. No, this is uh, this this is going to be fun. I'm excited about this. This is uh, it's going to be a very different thing. Uh, and I am uh, I'm very much looking forward to it. Yeah, the despite, categories are a little different. Despite the fact that we have to watch, say, R.I.P.D. Uh, for instance, I don't <laughs> just pick that one at random for some reason. Um, it's very exciting. Next week, we begin the round of 64 begins. It does. Half of it does. We will be breaking down the matchups in the Spike Lee division, the Mel Brooks division, the John Carpenter division, and the Steven Spielberg division. That will be next week. Uh, it's about to be this is very exciting. It's I look forward actually to about it. to begin. Right, I'm sure most of you noticed we did skip over the games, but we wanted to save you guys some time. But our draft is set. We have the matchups. Next week, the Godfather Conference. Yes. Those matchups will be happening. We actually get into it. The films will be battling it out. We still have a lot more to see. Um, also next week, the 94th Academy Awards we'll be talking about. It's very exciting. So many things are going to happen. We got that. We got... The the actual matchups in the Lost City. We'll see how that does. Noah, plug us up. All right. You can find us at what's in the box office.com. We are on Twitter at WitBoxOffice. That is also our Instagram handle. I am on Twitter at Noah Druke. I'm at Brian DeSerber, D-E-S-U-R-B-E-R. Uh, and of course, the feed for our podcast can be found anywhere podcasts are found. We are on Stitcher. We are on Apple Podcasts. We are on Spotify. None of those platforms, you'll notice, have a length requirement. And so sometimes we let our freak flags fly. You know, what are you what are you gonna do? We are who we are. Um, they'll get shorter once the award season finishes. Do you have a movie to recommend? I not not, re- not recommend necessarily because I haven't seen X. But you know, you recommended X last week, I believe. Yeah, you want to uh, recommend this? We're seeing it tomorrow. So so yeah, I'll uh, I'll go for X this week. I'm very excited All about right. it. I'll go for the Lost City because I want it to do well. So come out with your friends, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your girlfriends, your boyfriends, your group of friends. And go see The Lost City. I, I hope it's good and I hope it does well. All right, next week, again, matchups, Oscars, The Lost City. I don't know why that's last, but we're going, the main over, event. We're going over it all. Um, tune in then. an Oscar? <sighs> I don't know. <laughs> that's next week. Until then, uh, this has been What's in the Box. You just, you threw, the game thing threw me off completely. <laughs>
This has been What's in the Box Office. I've been your host, Brian. And I've been your host, Noah. Until next week, if you feel safe, go see a movie.